Do you lick the cheese dust off your fingers? Oh, hell yeah. Let's get it on. Welcome back for another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I'm your host, Kyle Hill, and that was boxing referee Mills Lane. Good old celebrity death match, if anybody remembers that. Haven't thought about that in a while. Anywho, on today's episode, we're talking about the American dream, buying a house. And we're doing that with realtor Tony Long of Long Real Estate Team based in Prairie Village, Kansas. Now, his team is consistently ranked in the top 1% of all agents in the Kansas City metro area, so he knows what he's talking about. And besides that, he's just an all-around good dude, so you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Now, to show your appreciation, do us a solid and drop us a review. Five stars, by the way, is the appropriate number of stars. And while you're at it, ask some questions that you'd like answered so we can do a Q&A episode. You can submit them to kyle at hilltopfp.com, and that'll be listed in the show notes along with all of our other resources, me pointing down to the show notes. Before we dive right into it, I need to remind you that this is for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as advice because I'm not your advisor. However, I could be if I did my proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. The best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with me, and you can do so by going to my website located in the show notes. That's me pointing down to the show notes. Everything is in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my interview with Tony Long. Well, I've been looking forward to this interview for the moment I started the idea of this podcast. I don't know if you know that, but um, I've done a lot of unsexy topics, if you will, like we we're just talking about insurance, um, budgeting, but uh, we tried our best. But uh, th- this topic is something everyone wants to talk about because buying a home is sexy. I'm joined here with Tony Long, the owner of Long Real Estate in Prairie Village, Kansas. My one complaint about Prairie Village is there's virtually no highway access, but uh, who says you need to leave, right? Don't get me wrong. I uh, don't like being in Prairie Village. I chose that office because it's centrally located. Um, I do have to disclose I am with Keller Williams, um, but we I have a small team called Long Real Estate, but we're, our brokerage is Keller Williams. So. Awesome. Well, Tony, how, how are you doing today, buddy? I am wonderful. It is uh, 62 degrees out. So when this is being recorded, uh, 62 degrees outside when we just came off of snow and all that kind of stuff. So it is beautiful outside. So I'm in a very, very good mood, actually. Great mood. Good. Good. Me too. Me too. I took the kids out to the park yesterday for like an hour and a half. So it worked out pretty crowded. Pretty sure I saw uh, Mama June um, from Honey Boo Boo or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Name is Tony Long, born and raised in Manhattan, Kansas. I've lived here in Kansas City for probably around 17 years. Um, Graduate from Kansas State University. Graduated in uh, the great major of hotel restaurant management. Um, And as you can tell, I'm really using that degree to its fullest extent. Um, Graduated from K-State, moved here to Kansas City, and I worked for Enterprise Rental Car for maybe three months and gave a guy a ride, a realtor a ride 
who, stereotypical realtor back in the day, drove a Cadillac and was driving him back from, he was getting his Cadillac worked on. And I asked him what he did, just kind of like Enterprise trained us to actually kind of build rapport with clients in the car. So when you get them back to Enterprise, you can sell them up into a car and all that kind of stuff. So building rapport with the guy and I'm like, what do you do for a living? He's like, sell real estate. And I'm literally just talking. I, I controlled the conversation in the car. And he was like, man, have you ever thought about selling houses? And I was like, uh, no, why? And he was like, you're really good at talking. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much, I was, I was gifted with the, with gabbing. And he was like, you should look into real estate. Um, and so that got my wheels turning, um, got my real estate license, started working for realty executives. And lo and behold, now 14 years later, I'm still selling real estate. So I joke with people that I graduated from K-State, worked for Enterprise Rental Car, and then I've always been a realtor. Like, I should not have went to K-State. Um, they have a lot of my money, um, but um, I don't even use my degree now. Um, so, but this is all I've ever done. I don't even have, if somebody, if I stopped selling real estate, I would have to make a resume and there'd be nothing on my resume except for Kansas State University and realtor. And then self-employed pretty much. So I am, I'm in this for the long haul, no pun intended, but like this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do forever. So most realtors, most realtors do real estate. I would say if you talk to most realtors, most realtors do real estate part-time. Like most, uh, a lot of these realtors are, you know, stay-at-home moms or, hey, I've got a job doing this and I sell real estate on the side. I've only done real estate. It is my full-time gig. If I don't sell houses, I don't pay the bills. So um, it's always been a full-time gig. So you're in, you're yeah, investing. I'm in, I'm in. So real estate, you didn't, you didn't find real estate, real estate found you. Is that correct? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, my, my dad, when I grew up in Manhattan, uh, my dad built uh, five or six of our homes um, wow. from scratch, like himself, my dad um, built, like he'd subcontract some stuff out, but, um, he built all of our houses. And now mind you, I am not handy at all. I can, I can change a light switch. That's about it. But my dad can do everything. So, uh, you'd think I'd know something about real estate beforehand. I don't, I mean, I kind of knew about the building process, but I didn't know anything about real estate getting into it. That's, that's awesome. And that's before YouTube. Cause I'm, I'm still waiting on a YouTube video of someone building a house using YouTube videos. I promise you there's probably a video out there somewhere of a guy that's like, listen, I'm going to build this log cabin and I'm going to video it all. So awesome, man. Uh, fellow Manhattanite, glad to have you on. Um, you, you have a phenomenal marketing game, by the way. Um, you need to teach me. So, uh, you have your monthly newsletter, the long and short of it, clever stuff. I might suggest something along the lines. This. I'm writing this down. I'm ready. Go long with Tony long. And maybe it's a punt passing kick contest of some sort. I don't know. I don't know. Or partner with the Chiefs. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that sponsorship wouldn't be cheap. Oh, no. Correct. Um, but uh, loved your long for Realtor 2020 video. That was great. I was just watching that last night. And it's uh, um, very professionally done, by the way, but made me laugh. So I, will, I will say this. I know that she will probably listen to this once it comes out. Um, Cassie Wilson is my marketing girl, uh, or is my marketing gal kind of, I would almost consider her my business partner, even though she is, um, slowly becoming, or she wants to be a just stay at home mom. But when you look at the long and short of it, that those articles of that, she writes those, she picks them. I, I look at it and say, Oh my God, it's visually looks good. And this is what I want the articles to be, but she puts it all together. And then 
the um, the political campaign. I, I will say this. I stole it. I actually, no, I borrowed it from Bob Hamilton. So back in the day, five, six years ago, I was driving and somebody had in their yard a sign that said Bob Hamilton for plumber. And I was like, oh my God, that is so smart because I could literally say, hey clients, I got all these, you know, these signs where you put them in your yard. My clients would be like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. So I was like, Tony Wong for realtor. So then Cassie was like, all right. So we bought a cheap Wix website, a political, you can actually Google and Google political website. You got it. We changed everything out. We called it long for realtor. And we, we did it actually four years ago um, before the Trump, when, when Trump was running, we, that's when we started it. Okay. And we did it. I had buttons made, all that kind of stuff. That's when we did the video. Actually, I am way heavy in that video, actually. Like I've lost a ton of weight since that video. But um, when we did that video, we went to um, Union Station. And I, you, in the video, I'm talking to some, some older couples. They asked me a question and Cassie was just rolling the video. They asked me a question on where to go. And I started talking to them and I knew that she was rolling. So I acted like I was kind of like shaking their hands. And when I left, I mean, I was wearing a suit jacket or whatever. Yeah. It was, I love it. It's one of my favorite videos, even though I'm super heavy in it. Um, but so that for, four years ago when we ran it, it had some steam. My clients loved it. This year, I was like full out. We bought 200 signs to put out. And then I literally drove around one Saturday, and anytime I saw a junk of political signs, I'd put my long for realtor sign in the middle of them. Okay, <laughs> and mind you, probably illegal. Probably I don't know. Uh, um, right. I peppered Johnson County. They were all over the place. And then next thing you know, a realtor um, with a brokerage saw it and took a picture of it. I did not disclose my brokerage on it. Now in real estate, this is way too much information, but real estate law. You're supposed to disclose your brokerage on any signs, directional signs, yeah. yard signs, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not selling any real estate in my, on those signs. It just says long for realtor, okay? It's, yeah. I'm not selling any houses. And she brought it up on Facebook and this big social. And then next, you know, my phone was blowing up by five different people like, oh my God, this is a great idea, da, da, da. And then yeah. my broker called and was like, you have, to, you have to go pull your signs. I'm like, why? And he was like, you, and I was like, man, they have 200 signs out there. I'm not going to pull them. I'm not going to pull them. But it was more of like realtors can be kind of finicky where you have somebody that saw it and was probably like, that's a great marketing scheme and I want to destroy this guy. But um, I've seen a other couple of the other realtors that have done it now. But four years ago, I was the only one that did it. And I was like, this is the greatest marketing ever. So That's awesome, man. What yeah. I bet her name was Karen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true, yeah. true, true, true. Yeah. What? Go pound sand. <laughs> Uh, she's just jealous because you had a better idea than she did. So yeah, longforrealtor.com. Actually, if you go to www.longforrealtor.com, it's always I'll going put it in the show notes. I'll put yeah. it in the show notes. <laughs> but you also, I said this to you before, but I view you as building relationships where your client with your clients, whereas a lot of the agents out there, realtors out there, I see it's more transactional. And so I don't know if you want to talk about this at all, but you do a lot of unique opportunities for your clients. Um, anything you want to share on that? Yeah. Or So I was trained in the very beginning. So I got into real estate in a really good time. So I got into real estate right out of college. So all my college friends and stuff like that all didn't know, any, didn't know a realtor. So I got into it um, and it was still a slow process to finally get to where I'm at now. But 
I, I wouldn't say I had instant success, but I was selling a good amount of houses in the beginning just because all my friends needed a realtor. Um, but I was trained in the beginning to treat it. I'm, I'm not, my wife loves this. I say this all the time. I'm not in the business of selling houses. I'm in the business of creating relationships and I sell houses as a side gig. I mean, I am, when I meet somebody, I care more about them than I care about myself. And if they're like, hey, I want to buy a house. Great, no problem. I still want to be friends with you. Um, and then eventually I'll sell them a house. But in the business is create relationships and then side gig is selling houses. But I learned from the get-go that if you treat people the way you want to be treated, I know that you gets used a lot, but I live and die by that. That if I treat people the way I would treat my sister or my best friend, if I treat them that way, they will love me and be my friend forever. And then they'll tell their friends about me. And then I don't have to spend a lot of marketing dollars on, uh, this is old school, but like putting my face on a park bench or you know a newspaper, blah, blah, blah. Um, I can spend my marketing dollars giving back to my clients where that's the, where we, I do a lot of events for clients. So we do an Easter egg hunt every year where um, last year we didn't because of COVID. Um, but I usually have around six to 7,000 eggs and we throw them all out. And then all my, we just, I invite all my clients, I invite their friends come and pick up eggs. We do a breakfast with Santa events. Uh, I do a Kentucky Derby party. I do a dumpster day. Um, I do a movie event. So it's more of taking care of, taking care of my clients. I want my clients to have some service from me after the sale rather than, Hey, I know a plumber. I'll give you a plumber, but it's more of, and it's also a way for me to see my clients. I mean, they'll come see me, shake my hands. It's great. Um, I also learned from very early. If you take care of somebody's children and their pets, they'll take care of you forever. So I'm kind of in a niche, but all most of my, my market clients are mostly all, uh, my age, a little bit younger that all have kids. So I just make sure I have kid events and people love it. I mean, I have people who go to Breakfast with Santa. My Breakfast with Santa event is at Union Station, and it's a big yeah. deal. And I'll have people go, my doctor doesn't do this. I'm like, yeah, your doctor makes way more money than me. He should be doing this, but he's not. Um, but uh, it's something, don't get me wrong. If you were to ask Cassie and I, my, I like what I like about my job the most is pretty much planning these events. I love planning the events. Um, but it is, I mean, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a niche because there's a lot of realtors that are doing it. Um, I just don't know if they do it to the level that we do in the consistency. A lot of, a lot of realtors are like, Oh, I did a breakfast with Santa and 20 people showed up. I'm like, well, when I first did it, you know, 50 people showed up, but if I consistently do it every single year, more people will show up. And now it's, I mean, there's a line to see Santa Claus. Um, and it's fun. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, we did that uh, two years ago, two years ago. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Great experience, man. And I love the sweaters, by the way. So <laughs> that was that was another that was another Cassie thing. She was like, "We gotta get sweatshirts, <laughs> and we'll make them long real estate ugly sweaters." So that was her that was her idea. But I, th- I think Cassie needs a raise. So uh, <laughs> true statement. True statement. But, no, uh, and we won't tell anybody where the Easter egg hunt is. Uh, they've they've got to hire you to find out. How about that one? Well, actually, the Easter egg hunt. I started doing golden eggs. So we did regular eggs. This is way too much information. We used to do regular eggs, and then but I came up with this idea of golden eggs, and we put money in it. And where, because I'd have people show up and they've got a high school son and his little brothers are looking for eggs. And he's like, what am am I here for? And so then I made these golden eggs and we hid them 
really hard, like really, really hard. And then I take right around a thousand bucks and I distribute a thousand bucks into like 10 eggs where there's some eggs that have like hundred dollars. There was a $200 egg a couple of years ago. These kids go nuts. I mean, to the point where you've got kids who are like, yeah, I don't care about the candy eggs. Where are these golden eggs at? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty. it's pretty awesome actually. Uh, that's awesome, man. Um, also, you're a recent owner, co-owner of Overland Park CrossFit. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, because so because I, what you were saying in your uh, campaign video, you're a little heavier then, but you've you've uh, trimmed down. Um, looking good, by the way. I've kind right. of gone the opposite. So <laughs> um, COVID-19, I put on my COVID-19. So, uh, but, uh, so yeah, maybe I need to look into this CrossFit. Tell me a little bit more about that, how you got uh, involved. My, uh, my, uh, my wife will tell you, my passions, the only things I know are CrossFit and real estate. That's the only thing I know. If I, if I go to a house party, if I've seen somebody that talks about CrossFit, I'm in. I'm, I'm with that person the rest of the time. Um, I looked into a CrossFit about five years ago, and I got tired of going to like Planet Fitness and stuff like that, where I was going, I had to think of a workout. I was doing buys and tries, never squatting at all, just more shoulders, arms, you know, all that. And yeah. Somebody had said, oh, you should try CrossFit. And so I went, I threw up the first workout I ever did. I literally was like, I thought I was in shape and I was not in shape at all. Um, but what I liked about it was you show up, you do the same workout as everyone else does. And you show up, they tell you what to do, you do it, and you get to go home. I don't have to think at all. I just shut my okay. brain off and I go work out. I got so into it, and which everyone mostly does. Anybody that's in CrossFit usually live, eats, breathes CrossFit. And um, being the business guy that I am, I've always looked at the Overland Park CrossFit, and I was like, God, this could, I wouldn't say it could be run better, but I think the business could have ran better where I run my real estate business by referral. Like literally if I take care of my friends, they're going to tell their friends and that. And I'm like, that's what this CrossFit gym is. The CrossFit gym should be, Hey, I'm going to take care of my members. They're going to tell their friends. Their member, their friends are going to become members. Da, 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 da. Well, then about a year ago, I was approached by one of the owners. Hey, two of the owners want out. Do you want to buy in? You know, and it was kind of like I think they came to me. I'm not the fittest person in the gym by any means, um, but I think it was more of like, hey, we like what you do. Um, I I always even when I joined the gym, I invited the gym to my client events. I had the dumpster or my dumpster day at Overland Park CrossFit because the parking lot worked. And I invited the whole gym, even though I wasn't an owner of Overland Park CrossFit. It's just more of like, it's a way for me to market to some new people. The gym has yeah. been very good to me for business-wise. I mean, I don't walk in and say, oh, I'm a realtor. You should talk to me. Um, I It's kind of under the table, but I'll have people walk up like, hey, I got a real estate question. All right, sounds good. Um, so I bought in as an owner. And so I'm running Long Real Estate and part owner of Overland Park CrossFit and it's it's kind of a passion project actually. I don't it's not making any money, but it's more of a uh I don't know. I like I love helping people and yeah. I also love CrossFit. So it's kind of like, oh we'll try this out. So where do you find the time to do all that? Uh good question. I mean, I mean, you know, uh and the audience doesn't know, but I have a four year old daughter, uh one year old son, and then my wife and I had COVID twins, and so we now have twins um that are one month old so i have four kids under the age of four right now um and where do i find the time to be a father a husband run a real estate company and run a, a crossfit gym 
I don't know. I'm probably, I don't have any hair. If I did have hair, it'd already be gone by now. Um, but, uh, it's, I don't know. I'm very, I'm kind of a robot. I, I, I have a regimen, even though my regimen's kind of off because of the twins right now, but, um, I like to work too. I don't really have, I don't like to watch a lot of TV. Um, I don't go out and party at all. I just, I like to work for some reason. I don't know. It's just kind of in me. Good for you, man. Yeah. I know the CrossFit, um, I've heard that's kind of like a religion. It's a cult. It's cult. I mean, kind of, yeah. I saw you on your website, your CrossFit website, wearing a Wolverine t-shirt. Love it. Um, actually, if you look at your video. I, I saw it right back there. Yeah. The yeah. little bobblehead thing. I saw that. But um, yeah, no, no. Um, I, I'm with you on the – so I used to go to the YMCA, um, and I would just do like upper body. I hated lower body. And so um, about this time last year, I developed tendonitis in my shoulder. And so I was going to um, lift up on the bench press. Um, I was doing free weights bench press, and it was getting to the point where my left arm, it was a struggle to get it up. And so finally I, you know, pressed pause because it was, it was hurting, went and saw the doctor. He said, yeah, you got tendonitis, you need to go physical therapy. And I was like, what is physical therapy going to do? And it's amazing what physical therapy did. Um to help um, relieve that pain. But yeah, I, I need to find something different. I will say this. You and I, I don't know if your audience knows this, but you're a former wrestler uh, in high school. A very good wrestler, by the way. Very good wrestler. Um, <laughs> I will say this. There's a lot of people that hear the word CrossFit and they get very scared because, I mean, they're going to be doing movements that they've never done. They're going to do snatches. They're going to do cleans. They're going to squat a lot. And to go back to wrestling, when they used to turn the heater up in there and you're sweating oh, yeah. and you're getting a workout or whatever, there are times in the summer where you're going to walk out of there and you're going to be drenched. And I feel really, really good. I mean, and there's some workouts that are really, really bad. You got to know though, that every workout can be scaled however it is. Um, but I like it because the workout starts and there's 11 other people just like in wrestling. Like when we're wrestling, everyone's in that room, everyone's going through the same suck as everyone else is, you know? So when you go to CrossFit, there's 15 people doing the same workout as you. You're dying of breath. You're sore. You're hurting, but everyone else is. And then it's over with, and everyone's like, oh my God, good job. It's a, a lot of it has to do with community. I love it. That, I mean, some of my now closest friends, some of my best friends, actually, I would say, are CrossFit guys that I've met in my, in my gym. So I used to be a 5.30 a.m. guy. Okay. I go to 5:30 a.m. and it was dads. Like that's we're a crew. Actually, we have a na- nickname for 5:30 a.m. and everything. But now that the twins are born, I've been going to different classes because I can't do 5:30 yet. Um, I'll go back to it though. But um, I I enjoy it because my friends are there and I get to work out with my friends. And everyone, I'll have guys that I'll come try it out. And they're like, dude, this is like high school football. This is like I mean, it's <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, it is, it is. So I had said, like, dude, if you remember wrestling and having that community that close knit community that's what crossfit is and you're literally showing up and it is going to wear you down you're going to pick up your lung capacity i mean i've never been as strong as i am right now than i ever have i mean i'm stronger than i was in college i'm stronger than i was in high school um and i've lost a ton of weight a ton of weight actually yeah uh-huh. Well, you guys need to uh, expand up north because <laughs> uh, your location, you're damn near Oklahoma, man. Yeah. Uh, 
for for us Northlanders. Up Don't here. worry, dude. I will find you a CrossFit. I'm gonna I'll do some searches on some CrossFits up north, and I'll send you some recommendations. I want you to try it out. I definitely want you to try it out. So. Sounds good. So uh, before we go any further, so we had been doing a roundtable series called "What the Hell Is," where we're hitting on some different financial topics and. It was kind of a Kathy Lee and Hoda style where I was drinking beer. Um, I guess we're drinking beer too. And we go around and share. Um, just wanted to let the audience know there's no beer on this episode. I drank all the Rochester beer and it's one o'clock on a Tuesday. So I've got more work to do, but let me reiterate to the guys down at Rochester. I drank all of my beer. I'm out of beer. Um, back to our regularly scheduled programming. So, um, I know you from my sister. She was in your class growing Mm -hmm. up five years older than me. And uh, you mentioned it. We're both wrestlers and um, she was a wrestling cheerleader. So we went to a lot of the meets and everything. And so that's kind of how I got to know you growing up. Um, I I can remember. um, I feel like I feel like you had some really awesome long hair. back. It might have been your middle school. um, The. uh, MMS papooses, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Manhattan Middle School. Yeah, the papooses. The papooses. The papooses. Yeah, I think there's a picture in there with, uh, uh, what is that hairstyle? Oh, well, right. It was back in the day, when it was kind of like the skater style where you picked yeah. the hair up and they shaved underneath and you dropped it down, which would almost be considered a mop now. I mean, if you think about it, it's a mop. Um, but yeah, I, I did have very nice blonde hair, but it's been a long time. I don't even remember what I look like with hair, actually. Uh, you look good, man. You look good. But we, so we both grew up in Manhattan. Um, we reconnected back in, I think it was August of 2019 at the front range over there in, uh, oh, barn coffee shop over in kind of it's fairway, pretty much fairway. Fairway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and back then you had one kid and then (laughs) you have four. So, wow. I don't know how you're doing it. Is it, it's, got to be like ripping the bandaid off or what? Cause it we're, is, it is a struggle. I mean, it is, it is not, I didn't, I mean, Tara and I were prepared, but we were not prepared for what the, I mean, it is a different level of hard, different level of hard, um, but we have helped. Don't get me wrong. We have a full-time nanny. Um, and then we have what is called, and this is, this is totally off subject, but we have a night nanny that actually comes to Mondays and Wednesdays and gets to our house at nine o'clock and then leaves at 6 a.m. where those are the two nights monday and wednesday night are tara and tony long's like oh, okay saturday night where we can get a full night of sleep the night nanny literally takes care of the twins that entire time we don't have to get up and got that so that's why you're talking to me right now i'm fully refreshed i had a great great night of sleep last night so uh, but yeah having twins and a one-year-old and a four-year-old is by far the hardest thing i've probably ever done easily easily we're, we're just trying to mentally wrap, warm ourselves up to the idea of another one. God willing. It's uh, I don't know. We five and three year old and it's, and being cooped up in the house, it's just, they're hitting each other and someone's always whining. And it's like, why do we want to do this again? And but, then you're kind of like, God, do I really want to go through the babies? That's the only thing. The baby yeah. stage is just not, I mean, people I know love it and they're cute and all that, but having to wake up every two to three hours to feed. And I mean, all they really do is eat sleep and poop i mean yeah. it's kind of but whew, whew. it's nice when they're self-sufficient our boys are kind of to that point but now they're to the point where they're uh exploring more and so they're like getting into the cabinet oh, you can't eat that donut for the third time 
Um, so I don't know, but, but yeah, um, wrestling remind me what weight did you wrestle? Was it 119? Ooh. 119 and then there were about two years mind you in high school high school i was weighing 119 and then there was my junior year i was wrestling at 112 um and i was dropping from i mean that, that's something i bring up to people sometimes i was dropping probably from about 128 128 pounds to 112 every week i got mono because of it i mean i remember my mom sold herbalife at the time and so i was just popping pills i was drinking taking pills that not make i mean remember the night before a weigh-in man where you'd you'd have practice you'd weigh yourself and you'd probably be about three pounds under you know from your weight so i had three pounds i'd have to lose which you know you can lose some weight and you while you're asleep but that no those nights i never want to relive those ever again because you couldn't drink anything you couldn't eat anything you have the worst cotton mouth ever ever then you'd go Saturday morning and weigh in and miraculously you'd weigh in. And then next, you know, you just wanted to drink everything imaginable and eat everything imaginable. Yeah. You could switch around water in your mouth. But you had to spit it out. <laughs> Correct. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, then, you know, I never, I never was big into cutting weight. I just kind of wrestled my natural weight, which maybe that was the problem. But um, some of our smaller guys, it was, you know, they'd get this like a uh, gallon of water and they just chug it and then they'd be waterlogged the rest of the day. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah. But. No, 119 and 112 in high school. I was, I was a lightweight, light, light, light. But it's also kind of like, I wouldn't say it stunned my growth, but I mean, I was dropping some major pounds, major yeah. pounds. Yeah. So I was 160 my freshman year and I got mono my freshman year. Uh, not because I, I don't know, not because I was good. <laughs> But then I wrestled 189 um, the last three years. So did you go to state? Yeah, I went to state uh, three years. Yeah, junior year I took fourth, and then uh, senior year I took fifth. Um, Which is, I mean, people yeah. don't do so. Don't shrug it off, man. Don't shrug it off. That is like that's an accomplishment. If you realize how many in six A six A high school wrestling, how many real wrestlers are in the state of Kansas? And you placed fourth place and fifth place. That's an accomplishment. That's an. I mean, that's something that you should always tell your kids. Um, not that kids really probably even care about that anymore. But um, that's an. I dead serious, dude. That's an accomplishment. You know that. You oh, know that too. I appreciate it. it, it there's this kind of internal drive that's like always. No, well, you could have done better. Well, uh, not, well, and actually, if Coach Woodford is listening to this, by far the best coach ever in the yeah. history of of anything. Uh, I still. Consider him a, a mentor. The guy is 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 the is the real deal. So, do you, do you still talk to him? Um, I talked to his wife. Actually, is a realtor um, in Manhattan. Uh, so I've talked to her a couple times on referral base of that. Um, oh. And then I, because of social media, the good thing about social media is I've messaged him and some of that. But I have not seen him in person for a very long time. Nope. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I. I talk to him about every six months or so. Um, Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. He's uh, like, like you mentioned, he, um, I think he, he's the, you know, I had an, he mentioned to me, I had a couple uh community college coaches reach out asking if I was interested and I just, I don't know, maybe this sounds weird, but I just couldn't imagine wrestling for someone else. Um, no. I don't know, but he, he was, he was, he's like father figure for me. Have you ever so. thought about, have you ever thought about like, I mean, you got two boys. Have you thought yeah. about going into like coaching? So I've always wanted to, like, before I was married, I actually wanted to like be a volunteer wrestling coach for like, remember back in the day, like 
Brian, uh, I can't even, Brian Olson used to always yeah. show up my time. Brian Olson used to just show up and it would be just a coach to help out or whatever. I've always wanted to be that. Cause I also thought of my, yeah, this will put me back in shape to actually wrestle around with some high school kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, but have you ever thought about doing that? Yeah, no, I've, I've thought about it. So after high school, um, I did intramural wrestling in college and then, uh, I officiated a little bit for a couple of years. And, uh, I went out and worked out with the high school kids a couple times and, um, I'd love to, you know, do something like that. Um, my boys, uh, my oldest is, uh, just started playing, uh, baseball back in the spring. Um, and in the fall, he's doing coach pitch in the fall. I helped coach the team and they're practicing already for the spring and I'm helping coach. And so that's been fun. And, but, uh, we've been wrestling around in the basement and, um, yeah, it's it's been fun. I, I kind of want to get him into it, but I think my youngest is probably – he will run through a wall, man. My youngest is a little hellion. We thought he was going to be the good kid, but we're kind of worried about him. He's like every bad character is his favorite character, and he's just like <laughs> evil laugh. But he's so cute, though. Um, he's He's got the these long flowing locks, and um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I I, 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 I do now. I mean, we've got Lucy as our oldest and then I've got Lucas and then the twins are boy girl. Actually, we didn't have girl, girl or boy, boy, it's boy, girl. So now I have two boys and I've joked. I'm like, I don't want my kids cutting weight, but I kind of want my kid. I kind of want my boys to get into wrestling. I, only for the simple fact of it is one of those sports where it's not a team sport. I've never really been. I mean, I'm a decent team player, but I'm really good when it's just myself. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good sport to get kids in. Um, I don't, I don't envy the weekends. Like if you think our parents, there's some, there's some Saturdays that they walked into a gymnasium when the sun was, was just coming up and they walked out when the sun was down. I mean, yeah. and I know, don't get me wrong. There's times where you, you know, that smell of a wrestling mat. And you're kind of like, <laughs> I, I, I like it. I love, I love watching wrestling on TV. Um, like if I watch college, like the college wrestling, stuff, I love watching it, but man, there's some times that I've caught the whiff of a wrestling mat and I'm like, Oh God, I do not miss that. I don't miss that. Now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've watched some college wrestling on TV too. And I'm just like, Oh my God, they are so fast. It, it's uh, crazy. And they are cut so, too. That's like those guys, yeah. like 165 college guys are cut. They don't have any fat on them at all. Um, yeah. And they are fast, fast. So your guys's team in 98 took third. You had three state champions and a runner up, right? Yeah. National champion and three time state champion, Scott Coleman, oh, yeah. the rest Kale Sanderson, uh, Matt Bradshaw was a two time state champ as well. And then, uh, fat boy, Damon yeah. Parker, yeah. Damon Parker, two-timer. Um, I saw where his, uh, he coaches at Washburn rural. He's a girl big time he, coach. Yeah. Yes. They have girls wrestling now. Cause Norm in the past, we were just all together, but, uh, I saw they won the 2020 state championship. Um, and then AJ Polanski, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going back looking at that team. Cause you guys took third. I think it was what garden city and Emporia. Import, dude. Back in the day when I was when I was in high school, Emporia was a powerhouse. Yeah, a powerhouse actually. Yeah, um, but then my junior year in two thousand two, we took second. We lost by one team point, and um, 
we didn't have as many state champs as you did. I'm trying to think back who we even, I don't think we even had a state champ, but we were a pretty solid team. I, I want to ask Woodford who would win in a duel, which team would win. So that is, a, you know what? That is a really good question. That is a really, <laughs> really good question. Uh, we'll have to call Woody. Yeah. Scott yeah, Coleman, uh, you know, I follow Scott, Scott Coleman, uh, man, that guy was a very, very good, Matt, Matt Bradshaw was a really, really good wrestler, but Scott Coleman yeah. was just one of those guys that he was like, just flowed when he wrestled. I mean, he was, yeah. he was just good, 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 good. And Kenneth Walter. Yep. Yep. Storm and Mormons, man. They, those were some of the hardest workers and nice people. Cause yeah. his younger brother, Jonathan, I wrestled with, we were wrestling partners a lot and, um, he's he was one of the hardest workers out there, man. Um, they're good people. I tell you so. what, when you when we post this podcast, I'm going to post it on social media, and I'm going to tag Scott Coleman, Damon Parker, Matt Bradshaw, <laughs> uh, Coach Woodford, and I'm like, listen, you guys don't have to listen to the whole thing about real estate. You just got to listen to the first 30 minutes. We mention yeah. your name. We talk about wrestling. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm literally I'm going to tag him in it. I'm gonna tag and then him. let's get this on the schedule for the duel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Well, hey, this has been awesome. Probably not what everybody tuned in for, but that's all right. This is fun. And before we dive into our topic, got to do the uh, notorious 15 minutes of fluff with Tony Long. So are you ready? I'm ready. What was the first female album that you ever purchased? Christina Aguilera. Oh, nice. Um, mine was uh, Britney Spears. The yeah, baby. Okay. Fair, yeah, fair enough. I figure, you know, uh, with everything that's going on with her documentary, it's very timely. So I have a good documentary. I saw that about two days ago, actually. I I have not watched, but my wife's told me about it. She says free Britney. So whatever that is. (laughs) My most recent is the Taylor Swift reputation album. I'll throw that out there. So that was a birthday present to myself a couple years ago. Um, I don't buy music anymore. So what is your dream house? Uh, and this is probably stereotypical, but Florida, Florida, um, St. Pete's beach, a house that actually has a pool on the beach. Uh, my wife and I, and my kids love the beach. And we also like St. Petersburg, Florida, actually. It's really nice. It's easy to fly. You fly into Tampa, drive there. Great little, great, great little spot. Um, so I would tell you Florida, Florida beach house, pretty much. Awesome. So, so do we need to bake in a relocation into your financial plan? Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I want to, I, uh, my plan, there's another realtor uh, that works for a different company that's become a very close friend of mine that uh, him and I have joked that we should get five families together, four families together and buy a really nice beach house in Florida where if you have four families, you don't Airbnb it, you just had the four families and they use it. And I, I mean, I would I would go, if we had a nice beach house, We I would probably go there three or four times a year if I could. So that's awesome. So mine, mine's a little different, I guess. Uh, something that's on the outskirts of town on say a big two, three acre lot where my closest neighbor is about a quarter of a mile down the road, you know, not still, still close by, but not close, not button up next to my house. Um, but a nice big porch includes a second story walkout porch from my bedroom for early morning, um, coffee, watching the sunrise, um, open kitchen concept because right now we have a galley kitchen and it's horrible it's like all of us try to fit in there and my wife starts having panic attacks um claustrophobic and so uh and then a nice back patio area for entertaining because i want to have lots of social gatherings without masks after after this all over with 
So, um, in a big detached garage for uh, workspace and, and, and storing some toys, you know. Um, and then maybe one of those naked rooms like Terry Bradshaw has in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just defer to my wife because yeah. she has pretty good taste. So, uh, I think your wife's going to, I think your wife's going to put a kibosh on the naked room, actually. Dude. <laughs> It's just the kid's room after he leaves, right? But uh, I don't know. She's got pretty good taste. She picked me, right? So Yeah, correct. Correct. <laughs> I'll let her pick. But um, kind of going on the, along the house line, what's your favorite style of house? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, because I've been doing this so long, a house is a house pretty much. I would tell you I, I'm a big fan of a colonial. My first house, Tara and I's first house that we bought together, uh, was a colonial. I call them five, four and doors. You'll see them throughout Kansas city. If you look at them, it's got five, it's a square and it's got yeah. five windows on the top, four windows with a door in the middle of the two, two windows on each side and the door, uh, they're five, four and a door, um, a colonial house. They're all over the place in Kansas city. So I like them. Don't, they're not as popular anymore because they're very segmented. You got a formal dining room, a formal sitting room, a living room, and then a kitchen. But um, they're a really, really good family house. I also, the first house we bought, we brought both of our children, Lucas and Lucy, home to it. We sold it actually right before this pandemic. So we moved into a new house um, right before COVID hit last year. Um, and we had lived in that house for seven years. And it was emotional to actually sell that house just because it was our first house together. Um, we you know, brought our kids there. So I'm a colonial, colonial house. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's, I was, I was doing a little research on this last night cause I don't know how styles all that well. We have, we live <laughs> odd. Um, it has its pros and cons, um, has some curb appeal, but I actually put down uh, colonial and I put three down. So, um, colonial Greek revival. Ooh. Okay. You don't say that many around here. Plantation style. Okay. Plantation, you see a good amount. Uh, uh, Greek is more on Casey Moe, Casey Moe's uh, uh, older part of Missouri, uh, downtown Kansas City. You'll see some of those Greek ones. So Okay. okay. Good to know. I, I had no clue if I could find any of those here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving on here. So normally I do five questions. I'm going to do six for you. Okay. We can call it five, but what's been your most creative marketing or promotional idea? Uh, I would tell you, we, we touched on it. I think the long for realtor was, was by far, um, probably the, the biggest, that was the one that I was like, Oh my God, no one, cause no one else really did it. No one else yeah. did it. Um, I also don't wrong realtors. A lot of realtors do this, but our dumpster day was, I mean, we had people at our dumpster day. We just did it last year, um, where I rent out dumpsters and I pretty much told the company, like, you just keep bringing them. We'll fill them. You keep bringing them. And so we'd have two dumpsters at a time. They would bring one, take one, bring one, blah, blah, blah. I mean, people came out of the woodwork. I mean, we had, there were three people, excuse me, that showed up with U-Hauls full of stuff. Okay. Mind you, we had seven hot water heaters. I mean, these are all clients. These aren't just, I mean, these are people just, and then just the amount of raw wood. That was the other thing. I was like, how many people are sitting on raw wood where I almost thought about eventually we're going to have just a big bonfire. I'm going to rent out a field and I'm going to have people just bring their raw wood. So the biggest things that came to that were raw wood and then empty paint, paint cans, paint cans, paint cans, paint cans. Oh, we had paint cans coming out the wazoo. Um, I mean, and my going joke would I people show up and they have, 
50 paint cans. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know you had a paint store. Are you guys selling your paint store? What do you, I mean, they're like, this is all stuff that was in our basement. And as a real estate term, people know that when you buy a house, there's always, the seller always leaves paint cans. And then even though you're never going to use those paint cans, you might as a touch up, but there's paint cans down there. I mean, I, I know some houses I've sold where the paint cans that were down there, there's like the new ones. And then there's the ones that are 15 years old that have never moved. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's been trying to get those out of the house. So, um, no, I, I think the, uh, the long for realtors. Great. The long for realtors. Great. Actually. Yeah. So I don't know if you knew this about me, but, uh, I worked in minor league sports for a little while before I made, uh, made the journey up here. I was down in Wichita after I graduated college and, uh, I worked for the thunder, the hockey team down mm -hmm. there, I worked for the wing nuts, um, and then the Thunder, they were owned by the same group and then they split and I went with the Thunder not knowing anything about hockey. Um, but uh, so we did promotional nights and everything. And as our director of game operations, we moved into the new uh, downtown arena, the Interest Bank Arena. And so I um, managed the crew that did the video board and kind of oversaw all that sort of stuff on top of like ticket sales and everything. And um, yeah. Long-winded way to say that I worked for the Thunder, but we were always coming up with different promotional ideas. And so this was just post-financial crisis. Um, so this was um, the season of 2010, 2011. And I had this idea of, you know, we're bailing out the banks, right? So who's bailing out Wichita? So I had this idea of for every person in attendance, we're going to take a dollar and buy a lottery ticket. And it's our bailout plan for Wichita. And so we're pooling our resources to buy lottery tickets to try to win the jackpot. And if we won the jackpot, we would split it amongst the crowd. And um, yeah, it was, I don't know, that's probably my best idea. But uh, I don't know, we probably had eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there. But I think my uh, shady boss only bought like three grand worth of uh, uh, tickets. So. To, to yours, I, every March for St. Patrick's Day, I send every client in our database a lottery ticket, actually. So I end up, so last year we sold, we sent 550 some lottery tickets. What's crazy about it is I've done it for the last four years. So every year we, it's, we go and get a stack of lottery tickets. We buy them in like the books of them. And yeah. still to this day, I would hope, I would hope if one client ever won like 500 to a thousand dollars or more than that, they would let me know. I always yeah. get the clients. It's like, Hey, I want a dollar. Thank you. Like, um, but I mean, I'm buying 500 freaking scratcher tickets. You'd think there'd be a winner. Not yet. Four years in the running. Not yet. If I had somebody, I think I've had one guy win 50 bucks, but that's the most somebody's ever won. The scratcher tickets are a, a jip. Yeah. So, um, who's your favorite WF? The let me rephrase that. Who's your favorite WWF wrestler growing up? Two of them. I will, and I'm, well, three of them, but I mean, everyone's is Hulk Hogan. I mean, everyone always liked Hulk Hogan, but my top two, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brett, the hit, or uh, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels, uh, which he was, Shawn, Mike. Shawn Michaels. Yep, sorry. Uh, Shawn Mike. Brett Michaels was the lead singer of Poison, actually. Yes. A little fa fun fact. Sean Michaels, <laughs> Sean Michaels. Um, he was known as the Heartbreak Kid, but then he started uh, Degeneration X, I think. Yeah. Him and um, God, how how do I even remember that? But yeah, Sean Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, nice. He kind of got the Stone Cold look going on a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. 
So, um, I said, I can't wait to hear yours. I can't wait. That's a, this is a great question, actually, by the way. Great. I, I just figure wrestlers, you know, um, the ultimate warrior. That is a very good pick right there. That's a very good pick. That dude was wild and exciting to watch whenever his music would come on his intro music. You just, you just get like these tingles, like, Oh, sh- oh crap. He's coming. This, I don't know. I I got excited by him. He was he was awesome in the side note of from this question because I mean uh, there is a documentary called Beyond the Ring that is on I think A and E or whatever. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's into shows now because of COVID. No one's really you know there is a show called Beyond the Ring. You have to search for it where they do backstories of wrestlers and they have one on the Ultimate Warrior. But I mean about like the crazy stuff. But he was as crazy in real life than he, as he was in, in, on the ring. I think the guy passed away too. I don't think he's alive yeah, anymore. 14. Um, I was looking him up, uh, last night <laughs> oh, just to listen to the song. Uh, <laughs> but he had like a, um, hall of fame induction ceremony. And, uh, you know, as crazy as he is, he was, a he, he, uh, he was saying his, uh, two biggest warriors, two biggest, uh, life accomplishments were his two girls. And so he, he brought him up on stage. A family man, you know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Was, but so good for him. But yeah, he, I think he had like a heart attack. Yeah. So. I was going to say, I mean, remember the, that guy was tan too. Super tan, super, super. When you were, when you were neon pink and neon green, you got to be tan to wear that, those colors. Yeah. Whatever he was on, give me some of that. <laughs> uh, maybe not, but and not, obviously that was fake stuff. It's not like the real stuff we did. So, <laughs> um, last question. I asked this to everyone on the show. Mine changes from uh, episode to episode. What would your walk-up song be? Uh, ooh, that's I already know that song. Actually, I have two. And that's a phenomenal question. I asked that question to a lot of people just out of out of nowhere because it's like you should know that. Uh, Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix because the startup. Like if I'm walking up, if you think okay. about it, Voodoo Child from Jimi Hendrix is a solid walk-up song the way it starts everything or two new kids on the block hanging tough and the only reason is because i promise you right now if anyone's listening to this spotify search new kids on the block hanging tough it'll put a smile on your face as soon as you hear it secondly i'd always want that because if you're walking up and that song plays you know the other team's like is this dude really walking up to new kids on the block hanging tough yep yep i am you bet you bet i am awesome i love it um I think I think it's so crazy you asked me that question, man, because I love that question. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 I do too. I, I ask everybody, and um, just to keep it fresh, I change it up. But mine's ranged from you know anything like Taylor Swift. Um, last last episode, um, it was "Jump Around" by House of Pain. Thinking of like Wisconsin football, how they do that, and everybody's jumping around. And um, one episode, it was. Uh, um, uh, Boys to men, I'll make love to you. <laughs> I laid out the scene like, imagine walking to the mat, the batter's box, and that's playing, and you're just staring down the pitcher. Dance, <laughs> or he's gonna put one in your ear. Yeah, I mean, but just a mind game. But um, you know, in the in the spirit of things, I'm just gonna play it simple and go with the Ultimate Warrior intro song. So you get some respect out of that one. There'll be a lot of people that respect that. Actually, they like that so anywho all right well that was fun so but let's uh you know let's get into our topic today why i wanted to have you on um someone i know and trust but 
this topic, it's kind of what we paint as the American dream, right? Is, is owning a home, having something you call yours. And, um, and so I think for a lot of people, it's, well, when is the right time to buy a home? And what do I need to know about buying a home? Um, I wish I would have asked more questions the first time we bought a house, bought a house. Um, but, uh, so hopefully this helps folks with that, but, uh, I don't know, take, take it off from there. What, uh, why buy a house in the first place? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And a lot of times other than Tony needs to make a living, I I know, but I also (laughs) like to tell people like you should never buy a house to just buy a house. Um, there's always a time for it. Nowadays, our, our parents used to buy houses and they lived in their houses for a very long time. Okay. Like where your parents bought a house and they lived there for 10, 12 years. They sold that house that, you know, and they, and they made money they, and they moved on to something bigger. Nowadays, the buyer market, these people treat houses like used cars. I mean, these guys are, they're buying houses, moving in two years. They buy a house, living there for three years. So like, it's not as, I mean, people are making, yes, people are making money in real estate and and that, but I don't think they're making as much money as our parents did because they're not staying in the house as long as they should. Um, And I sometimes I'll run into clients that, Hey, my friends are buying a house. They're buying a house. They're buying a house. We should buy a house. And I'm like, just because everyone's jumping off a bridge doesn't mean you should. Um, So there's always a time and the place. Um, I also tell people when I meet with them, I don't want you just to buy a house just to buy a house. I, I use the f- slogan that I want your business, but I don't need your business, meaning that I want to be your friend and I want to sell you a house, but I don't need you to buy a house for me to make money. Um, I, I, I'm looking out for the better interest for them. There's sometimes that we're all just, I mean, given their budget, I'm like, guys, you should just wait. I don't want you just to buy this two bedroom, one bath in Roland Park when I know you're going to have a child within the next year. And that two bedroom, one bath is going to be too small. And you don't, I mean, the market's been crazy the last five years. So everyone's been making money, but you never know. That could turn around where I, I worry about sometimes where people buy a house just to buy a house. And then next, you know, they're like, why did we buy this house? You know, or they grow out of it too quickly and they don't, you asked that you said the earlier, I should, you should ask questions. You should have asked more questions, but don't get me wrong. Sometimes the realtor should have been asking those questions to you or answering those questions. There's a lot of times where depends on who's representing you, but your realtor should be asking the questions or also know the functionality of a house. They should know that if a house is on a crawl space or a slab, you're going to run out of storage really quickly. So then it's like, do you guys store a lot of stuff? No, we don't have a lot of stuff. Okay, then storage is not that big of a deal. But if you don't ask that question... They could move in and be like, oh my God, we don't have any storage. We don't have a basement. We're going to store everything in the garage. Now we don't have a place to park our cars. Like, like I don't know. It's this, I, I talk myself out of a lot. I talk my people out of a lot of houses and I pride myself on that. Most realtors would say you're an idiot, but I pride <laughs> myself in, I'd rather tell these people the bad thing about a house before they move in rather than them moving in and being like, oh my God, I wish you would have told us this. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um, the right time to buy a house. I mean, I even, when I meet with buyers, I, I get in, I get like, if I'm meeting with a single gal, I'm like, Hey, are you dating somebody? Yes, I am. Oh, um, how long have you guys been dating? Is he going to have a discussion in on this? And you know, um, one of the worst things to ever do, this is, I've always believed in this single females can buy houses all they want. Cause it's great because what happens is then they meet a guy and the guy's like, Oh my God, this girl's got her own house. 
they end up getting married or engaged. The guy moves into the girl's house and he's still good with it. Great. He's like, hey, she's got her own place. Single guys. I've had more single guys lose money in real estate because what happens is they buy a house themselves and then they meet a girl about a year later and they get engaged and the girl, not to be sexual like that, the girl moves in and says, I like this house, but I want our house. This is your house. I want our house. And so then what happens is the guy bought a house, bought the house two years, hasn't lived there that long. He's got to sell it so they can buy another house, which is great for me. I'm selling their house and buying them another one, but they usually lose money. The single girl though, they meet a guy and the guy's like, no, this is, I'm good. I don't need our house. This house is just fine. Uh, so I always joke, I'm, I've helped more single females than I have single males. Cause I usually talk to single males out of doing it. The, uh, the tiki bar was okay while we were dating, but not when we're married. Yeah, correct. It was fun. It was fun, but not anymore. Yeah. So I feel like there's a story coming on there about uh, helping single females buy a house and talking them out of it. Oh, single males, single males, single females. No, but it, well, uh, isn't there one particular female that you talked out of buying a house and now she lives with you? Yes, my wife. Uh, <laughs> I yep. That's yeah. You got a good memory, man. Uh, yes, Tara. When I met Tara, um, all she went to Pitt State University. She had a bunch of friends that all bought houses from me one summer. Uh, well, actually, one in one year, where it was just like it was Pitt State mania. All these, all these clients of mine. Oh, you should meet them. You should meet them. You should meet them. And I met Tara, and Tara was like, "I'm thinking about buying a house." And it was kind of we we entertained the idea, but I was like, "You should not buy a house." You don't need to buy a house. All your friends are buying a house because it's a dual income. They're they're married. You're a single girl. You should not be buying a house. It was kind of like a you have the money to do it, but do you have the money that if the hot water heater goes out, do you have the money to replace the hot water heater? That's the other thing is people don't realize budget wise. They get approved for a certain amount and then they're just like, oh my God, I can afford three hundred thousand. I'm gonna go do that. But they don't think down the road, you being the financial guy, you'll know this. They're better off buying based upon one income rather than both their incomes, or they don't realize that you're buying a house. I mean, it's not like a car where tires are two thousand dollars. We're talking like air conditioners, four grand, a roof. You know, if it's not covered under insurance, where people need to be know that. Yep, you're buying a house, and you're going to have that's awesome. But there's also stuff that goes along with buying a house. Sometimes I don't get me wrong. I'm, my my coworkers are going to hate me for this, but sometimes renting it's kind of nice you don't have any responsibility you know um yeah you are throwing your money away but i think if you run the numbers i mean yes you can make money in real estate you can most of the time it's it's a very good investment but there's some money that comes out of your pocket while you live in there sometimes yeah yeah no there's there's pros and cons to both i yeah, say correct um and so renting is not a bad thing while you're saving up a down payment or you know getting out of debt and so I, the, I say this to, you know, anybody I speak to, it's, you know, buying a house, it's a good thing. It's a good goal to have because eventually, you know, once you've paid off the mortgage, the payments end, right? There's no more payments. Yeah. You have the insurance and, and the taxes, but you're not paying, you have, you're not paying into something, just a bottomless pit, right? Whereas renting, you, you're, you're renting a place to stay. Um, you're not building up any equity. And so buying a house is forced savings, if you will, because you're eventually going to have a bunch of equity in this thing that you own after all the payments are gone. And so it's also a hedge for inflation. Um, 
you know, your rent payment's not going to stay the same every year. It's going to keep going up um, because things keep going up. And then the tax-free growth that you get with uh, buying a house, you know, a married couple that's been in the house for two years, you know, there's some nuances to that, but basically two years living in the house, you get $500,000 in tax-free gain. So um, I've had questions about that. Like we're thinking about selling the house. What tax implications are we, you know, going to be subject to? It's like, well, has your house increased, you know, triple the value, you know, you're in a $200,000 house is you're good, you know? Um, but I, I think it's kind of to what we've been talking about. It's there's a right time to buy a house. Um, and don't do it just because people are telling you, or you see all your, your friends buying a house. Um, you know, don't focus on what other people are doing is what I try to say. And ideally you want, you know, come on, coming from the Dave Ramsey point of view, ideally you want to be out of debt. You know, I know that's not the case for everyone. Um, but you know, the more payments you have, the more stressful it is. Right. I also think actually to your point, you had said, Hey, you could pay the thing off. You know, what's funny about it is most buyers don't even think of that. Like that. I mean, they don't even think about, well, we could pay this off. Let's pay off our house. I have in my history of doing this, I bet you I only have about and I've sold lots and lots of houses. I bet you I've only had about six people actually pay off their house. Um, but the people that have, have all been like, it is a big accomplishment. For someone to pay off their mortgage, that's a big accomplishment. And I know Dave Ramsey is always like, you know, try to try to pay your house off. Because, I mean, that's a big monthly expense that is gone. Um, yep. And I wish more people would strive for that. It's just more of like, it's manip- It's, I mean, and you, you see this in your business the the people have gotten to the point where it's just more of like oh it's just put it on credit you know they don't they don't think about paying buying the car off or buying a car cash it's more of like oh we'll get a loan the payments will be fine and it's like no 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 try to get to a point where you don't have those monthly expenses and yep. it, you're you're great you can save a ton of money by doing that yeah it's the culture of instant gratification yeah you know market it so much and um you know, it's, things are attractive right now with interest rates and everything. So, um, but yeah, I think kind of to your point, it's people our age, you know, buying their first home, it's not like their parents where they're staying in the house, um, you know, their entire lives or for 20, 30 years, it's, you know, every few years we're buying a new house. And it's, I guess that's when you're looking at buying your first house, think of it as this isn't my forever home. So I don't need to buy the biggest, best thing in the world. It's uh, it's a starter home, you know, and it, it, so um, take that, take that for what it's worth. But it's but, still also, I tell these people this all the time. It is by far one of the biggest investments they'll ever make. I mean, it, we're not talking about a car here, Rick. I mean, a car is twenty, thirty thousand $30,000. We're talking about a house. We're talking about $200,000. And so, it's funny that people realize, I mean, that's a big investment. Um, I have people sometimes will complain about the mortgage process. Like, oh my God, they want this, this, and this. I'm like, they're loaning you $200,000. It's a big investment. It's a big investment. S- signing on the dotted line, seeing that number, my hand was a little shaky. I'm not going <laughs> to stomach turn a little bit. But, uh, but then also... Having savings in the bank, I think, is vital because if you buy a house with nothing in the bank, Dave says, you know, Murphy's going to move in with his three cousins, broke, desperate, and stupid. And 
the the point he's trying to make there, and I agree with this, is things break when you're renting. Your landlord has to take care of that. Generally speaking, you're you're at the mercy of their pace. I've had a, a client that's having some issues with uh, something dead in their wall that they're trying to get rectified, but um, so they have flies in the middle of the winter. Oh. <laughs> Nonetheless. When something breaks and you own the house, you're responsible for it. So I guess pointing to my situation, we didn't know where to go. And I was working at the bank and the mortgage loan officer I was working with, he's like, well, I've got a girl for you. And I'm like, okay. And so he referred this woman to us who was just a few years older than us. And um, I think she'd been flipping houses with her boyfriend and um, she was nice, but it was a, it wasn't. You know, my my wife kind of did all the work of finding the houses. And then when it came to, you know, the negotiating, I don't feel like we really had an advocate in our corner. Um, and we bought this house and we've got a uh, our, our AC units over 20 years old. <laughs> so it's like struggles to keep up in the summer. And, you know, I've priced it out and you're looking at, you know, minimums for our house. It's minimum like six grand. And, you know, the sky's the limit on that. But Things like that, you know, the HVAC system. There was one house we looked at where foundation was issues. And I mean, that's several thousand dollars if you're talking foundation issues. And so having savings in the bank where if an emergency with the house pops up, like you need a new HVAC system so you don't have to go out and um, finance it, being able to to front the cash for it. Um, well, and then I will also say that those are big, big stuff, but I'm also, we're also talking, if you want to focus on first time home buyers, they don't realize when you buy a house, you, it's the little things, but the little things add up. You need a lawnmower, you need um, a garden hose, you need a shovel, you need like, there's stuff that you need um, that add, it, it adds, and then your furniture. That's some people, I have more people that are like, I'm like, do you have enough furniture to furnish this house? I mean, they're, don't get me wrong. And we all have friends that if you went into their house, there's about two bedrooms that the door is closed because if you open it, there's nothing inside those rooms, you know, um, where it's even the furnishing, furnishing of it, where I'm like, guys, you guys need to have some money saved for, you know, the just the stuff, one. And then like to your point, I always tell people, when you move in, I want you to start a savings account that is called the OSHIT fund where, oh crap, the, you know, the hot water heater went out, you have money in place where, I mean, most financial guys are like, hey, you should have a nest egg for a, a rainy day. There's some rainy days in real, in, in owning a house. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget the mortgage loan officer. He said, now, before you go and uh, max out the uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart, credit card to furnish the house just wait until we close on the house biggest we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit one of the biggest deal killers actually of real estate yeah yeah that's what he said we don't want to destroy this deal so um but then having a down payment so having an adequate down payment you know generally you want to see at least 10 percent down i know you can do as little as what three and a half three and a half is an fha loan actually three percent um you can do a three percent loan Three and a half is an FHA loan, um, which is a very typical first-time homebuyer loan. Yeah. And then you have the five, the ten, the twenty, and that. So when you go five percent and you go ten percent, that is a conventional loan, actually. Yep. But I don't want to get into the loan business, but that's yeah. But ten percent is a very good number. Very good number. Yeah. And the thing we're trying to do is 
avoid from having to pay PMI and then just, you know, buying a house with nothing down, having no equity in the house. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that. I think we're going to do a, um, a mortgage episode. So we'll dive into that. That'll be a good one mortgage because we'll talk about closing costs here in a minute. And like, there's a lot of stuff that I'll tell you this. Um, when I meet with clients, the two most important people that when you're buying a house are your realtor and your loan officer. And people don't realize like the loan, like there's a lot of people like, oh, I'm going to go online and they're going to get Tom that is in Sacramento that could care less about them. He's just more of like, yeah, you're proof for this. And like, you really need to, the people that investigate into, into looking into real estate need to look for their realtor and know that feel, feel comfortable with their realtor. And they also need to feel comfortable with their loan officer because the loan officer, this is a big investment. And they need to talk to their loan officer about what can we afford, truly what can we afford. And then also, I mean, some of these some of these loan officers that are out here are good enough to actually look at their credit report and say, hey, guys, you should not buy a house right now. You need to fix this, this, and this on your credit report. And then you could, um, but then also give them idea, like what's the best use of their money? If they have $30,000 to put down, should they put all $30,000 down or, you know, all that? So uh, I think when you had said you want to do a, a podcast on that, I think that's a great idea because that's, that's something that people don't think about that much and they really, really should be thinking about. Yeah. And I know you have a few folks, um, we, we don't have to throw out their names, but uh, you mentioned that you work with, if someone comes to you and asks for a referral, uh, mortgage loan officers that you work with, feel free to throw it out or whatever. But what I liked about what you said is give me your best offer don't give me any of this will beat a better offer crap. Um, I like that because when I was at the bank, it was always, if you go out and find a better offer, we'll beat it or we'll basically match it. Right. And it's like, you made the point of, well, why weren't you giving that to me in the first place? First place. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, I, I, I like that. That was some good advice. So I, I see it all the time where I'll have people go and they go to XYZ bank. And they get approved, and because I, I usually don't, I'm I, I I will I'll tell people like, hey, if you need a referral to a mortgage lender, I'll give you my two people. If you don't, no big deal. Like, go with whoever you want. I don't want to. I don't ever want to be pushy with my people. Um, but they'll always say, hey, we're gonna get a second opinion, and I'm like, great, sounds good, and I'll give them my, one of my people, and my people will beat them, and then they'll go back to XYZ Bank, and XYZ Bank will say. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then they'll go, we're going to stay with XYZ Bank. I'm like, do you really trust them? They, why didn't they give you that deal in the beginning? And like, then, then the light bulb clicks where they're like, yeah, why didn't they give us that deal <laughs> in the beginning? I mean, my people don't know they're being shopped. They're just getting a call out of blue and like, this is what we can do for you. And then it's like, oh, that's better than XYZ. And XYZ is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that, now that we know we're being shopped, we're going to, we're going to, we give you that. So, yeah, yeah. I say competition's good, but yeah, yeah well, I, give it to me the first time. Not so. Give me kind of a high level overview of the real estate market right now. I know everybody keeps saying <laughs> fire, and then maybe also a little more specifically about the Kansas City market. Maybe we can call it the uh, state of the market. Since I was looking online last night, and they still don't have a date confirmed for the State of the Union. I like okay. I will tell you this, the, the mark I've been selling real estate for as long as I have, I've never seen a market like we're in right now. Never. I've been in multiple offer situation markets and all that, 
I have never seen inventories down by 50% throughout the KC Metro. Okay. Um, and, and why? There, uh, why is that? Okay. So <clears throat> it's not just because COVID. So if, if, if somebody's listening to this and if they've heard, oh, COVID is the case, that's not. It, it, COVID has something to do with it. But what drives real estate inventory up and down is new construction. So we have to build. So there's, I mean, there's, we're adding humans to the world. Um, we have to add houses to the world. So as they build houses, uh, we have to build houses to meet the demand. What this goes back, let me go back a ways. When the market crashed in what was that? 0506? 2008. 2008, sorry. 2008. Um, new construction stopped. And if people remember this, there you could go through new construction subdivisions and there would just be open lots and nobody was building on them. Okay. So that went on for three years. So the US went through three years of really not building the amount of houses they needed to. Okay, so then next you know, boom, 2013, 2014 hits, demand for real estate hits, but we're already down by houses, okay? So then new construction starts building, da da da, da we're trying to build, we're trying to build. Its inventory has been down for many, many years, and it all stems from when the market crashed, okay? They, they still, new construction had not caught up to the demands, okay? We were on track to do that, okay? But then COVID hit. So then when COVID hit, so we were still, the inventory was down, but not as bad as, as what you'd think. Then COVID hit and you have people not selling their house because of a pandemic, one. And then two, right now, right now, as we speak, new construction, supply costs, lumber, cement, all that stuff has went just skyrocketed. So where you've yeah. got builders that used to, I'm going to use an easy analogy, Builders that were building a $450,000 house, that $450,000 house is now $500,000. Or, but in true, true, true form, it's more of the $550,000 house is now $600,000. The buyer market for that, that house is not that big. And so there is just a lack of houses throughout. And then you've also got builders who want to build to try to catch up and they're not building because supplies are down. I mean, you've got builders now that are changing their price plan if you went to a new construction subdivision they'll give you a price breakdown of a house and at the bottom it'll usually say this price is only good for so many days because they've got to up it because of, of lumber lot prices have went up i mean um just to use an example rod rock developments increased their prices on their lots by five to ten grand about a week ago on throughout the city um, because lots are in demand right now so um it is and we're talking about also, we're talking about January and February where the spring market of 2020 didn't exist. So inventory is down by so much and you've got buyer demand, which is huge. So inventory is down. All these buyers want to buy because interest rates are in the twos and the threes. Well, I mean, the price of money is so less that everybody wants to buy. You've also got people that have been cooped up in a one bedroom or a two bedroom apartment for the last year in a pandemic. They're like, I'm not doing that again. I want to buy a house. And so then this is where, where we're at is there's this fishbowl. I use this analogy. You've got a fishbowl full of goldfish that are dying for food. You've got, and food is houses. And one house drops on Thursday and it's 300,000 and all those goldfish flock to that $300,000 house. And next, you know, you have 
10, 15 offers on a house that is nuts that I mean, and you've got buyer, you've got buyers that are losing multiple, multiple houses. Um, it is extremely competitive, extremely competitive. And if you talk to any realtor, it, they'll tell you right now is it is very, very hard to buy a house right now. Very, very hard to buy a house. Also, I, I, I've heard the, the, um, another reason is people are staying in their houses longer. I, I don't know. Do you factor that in at all or? Uh, I don't. I mean, yes, I mean, which is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. I, I, I strive for people when I meet with a buyer, I tell them you want to buy a house that you're in for at least five years, at least five years. But I would love to see eight. I would love to see more people stay in their house for eight years or more because you can make really good money by that. And then it also you're not so volatile to the market if you stay in your house a long time. Because I tell people all the time, like resale value me matters. It does. Because um, the market is going to go up and down. It's going to go, we're going to be in a seller's market. We're going to be in a mar buyer's market, all that. Um, and if you stay in a house longer, then you're, I mean, you're going to, you're going to miss the downtime. I mean, buy a house that you can live in for eight years and I can promise you, you'll make money. But you buy a house and live there for three years. Don't get me wrong. There's people out there that make it, they make money on those. But you never know what the market's going to do. And I, I mean, I've lived through. I've been in the good market. I've went through the recession, and now we're in this crazy market. Um, I've always been successful, but I've also seen when the bad is bad, when foreclosures were, where people were buying way beyond their means, way beyond their means. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you also have people. Well. COVID had a lot to do with where spring market, you had people like, I don't want to sell my house because I don't want people walking through my house and touching my stuff. So then the the, the spring market of 2020 didn't really exist because you had people that were not wanting to look at houses or sell houses. So it sounds like every area in Kansas City is hot right now. It, it is. I mean, I used to, I specifically mostly in Johnson County, even though I do sell a good amount in Liberty, Casey Mo, Lee Summit, um, I'm all kind of all over the place. Um, but I used to be like, oh, buy in Lee Summit. Lee Summit is the Overland Park of Missouri. I mean, it's a great place to buy. It's competitive now too. I mean, I like I was telling you earlier, we listed a house in Edwardsville. Edwardsville um, on Saturday, we had 44 showings on that house and we had 23 offers. It was listed for 235 and it sold for 279, 279,000, um, 23 offers, 23 offers. So- mm -hmm. Edwardsville, Edwardsville. So yes, it's crazy everywhere. So, so uh, that, that's not where we're going to find the value. I was, I was going to say, where can we find some value around here? <laughs> I, I'll tell you this. When it comes to finding value, uh, and this is, I'll get in my a soapbox here in a minute. Um, finding value is not just, it is about location, location, location. Okay. But when you're when we're in the market that we're in right now, finding value is trying to find the houses that not everybody wants to buy. And where I run it, where where this happens is there's a lot of people out there right now that don't want to pick up a paintbrush or they don't want to swing a hammer. Don't get me wrong, I don't I'm not good at swinging a hammer, but there are people that want to buy the what I call the cream puff house. Everything is done to it. Every I mean the fixtures are done, everything is done to it. What people don't need, what people need to realize, and I don't think it gets told this much, is those houses, the equity is already in them. It's already been built into it. You know, you're buying that house 
with everything done to it, where your equity that you're going to make on that house is truly almost dependent upon the market. So as the market goes up, your price goes up. But what happens if the market goes down? Your equity has already been built in. You, there's no way you can make money in it. Where the better buy is to maybe put some sweat equity, which for now the, the culture that we live in, people don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that work. I don't. I would rather go out to eat. I don't want to paint a bedroom. You know what I mean? But buying a, I'm, this is where I say, buying a grandma and grandpa house. That grandma and grandpa, that demographic, baby boomers, they take yeah. care of their houses. They replace the HVAC system. They replace their windows. They replace their siding. They paint their house on a routine basis. They take really good care. So the bones of a grandma and grandpa's house is very good, but grandma and grandpa don't realize that their blue carpet might not look good, okay? Um, but the reason they don't is because they've lived there so long, they don't even see the blue carpet. They, that's, that's their blue carpet, okay? But what happens is you show a buyer that and they're like, oh my God, this, we're going to have to replace the carpet. I'm like, yeah, that's four grand, but yep. you're instantly building some equity into this house. You're, you're, I mean, you're picking it up. And the buyer pool for those houses isn't as big because you'll have so many people are like, I don't want the blue carpet. I want my people to say, Tony, could we replace this carpet? Yeah, we could. If at the right price, we can replace the carpet and you're, you're building your equity into the house. So I'm always a proponent of buying the house that might not have everything done to it, but I want my people to do that because then that's equity they put in and then they're not having to rely solely on the market on building equity. Yeah. Being able to look past the cosmetic stuff that you can fix. Um, I think uh, you would probably agree. Buy something that has good bones. Yes. Uh, that's, that's functional. You know, not something where you have to go through one room to get to the other room. We, we, we looked at a house actually that was that way to get to the kids room. You had to go through the parents room. Which people like functionality was not long-term. Can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah. So um, that was the one with foundation issues too, but uh, we liked it. It was cute, quaint, and <laughs> but um, we didn't go that route. But yeah, making sure it has good bones, but looking past the cosmetic stuff that you can fix, you can change out light fixtures, you can put in new carpet, you can do new floors. I mean, that sort of stuff. And when I, when I say also like grandma and grandpa house, I'm not talking about tearing down walls and stuff of like that. It's more, yeah. a lot of these houses are just paint fixtures and like some people was like well i mean a ceiling fan i'm like a ceiling fan's a hundred bucks at home depot and you can youtube video how to replace a ceiling fan and you know what you just did something to your house and it improved the the house and rather than buying the house that everything is done to it everything is done to it where it's like well you're dependent upon the market now and if the market crashes you you could be in some trouble yeah i i replaced the um the light fixture. We had like a light fixture in our, in the middle of our bedroom. So I put a ceiling fan in my wife got it for me as a birthday present. Don't worry. I replaced every ceiling fan in our old house and every single one of them wobbled. And my wife eventually hired someone to come and replace them. So they didn't wobble. So yeah. But mine hasn't fallen out yet. So <laughs> yeah, it wobbles, it makes a noise so we don't use it, but um, that can be fixed. So um, yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. Do you want to touch on any up and coming areas that uh, Liberty was Liberty is up. I wouldn't say it's up and coming. It's, it's already came. Liberty is, is very pricey. Liberty was an up and coming. Um, 
There is an area called the Redbridge area that is uh, East Johnson County. So if you look at state line, um, on the other side of state line, Missouri side, is the red is a red called the red i call it the red bridge area those are you're buying there you're buying less than johnson county but you are stones throw away from johnson county where that's a really good place um right now the, the hot markets right now are everyone wants land like you had said your dream house is to have two to three acres that's what yeah. every, everybody wants to get away from uh, because of the pandemic oh I want land. I want to get away from the city. Oh, I was or, bored with the pandemic. I just, I want to yeah. be alone. <laughs> um, or it's, um, they, people want pool houses with pools. Um, it used to be, if you were to talk to me six years ago, I would say don't buy a house with a pool because they're not good for resale. It requires a lot of maintenance. And now everybody and their grandma wants a pool. So if I would have been pushing pools six years ago, my people with pool houses would be just banking money right now. Um, if only we had ball yeah correct correct um also townhomes um i mean i wasn't seven years ago i'd tell people don't buy a townhome um and now townhomes are hot commodity but townhomes are a hot commodity because that price point when when the real estate prices have gone up so high people are like i can't afford a resale house i can't afford a single family so i'm going to go to a townhome so now townhomes are are a, a hot market um I don't, there really is, it's, it's, it's a weird time to say this, but man, it is, it is extremely competitive right now. And that my advice to a potential buyer out there is make sure that you're getting good advice and that you're not buying a house just to buy a house. Because I mean, when you've got 23 offers on a house, okay, when a house is listed for 235 and someone paid 279. I mean, that's a lot of money over list price, over market price that, uh, I mean, as a person, I also got to say, God, I, I mean, it's, I mean, I, yes, I represented the seller. I'm happy as can be for the seller. My seller is happy as can be, but I kind of think sometimes like, oh man, that buyer could be in some trouble, could be in some trouble. How does that even work without appraisal, though? So, so that's we'll go into that. So, people need to understand. You got to talk about this. Um, a, a, con, a real estate contract. When you write a contract on a house, that contract is contingent upon three things. That contract is contingent upon inspections, appraisal, and financing. Okay. So, what I always tell buyers this is what people don't realize is when you write a contract. You're going to write earnest an earnest deposit check. Okay, you're going to pretty much say, "Hey, seller, here's two thousand dollars that goes that goes to the title company, and if I cancel this contract, you can keep my money." I used to call it skin in the game. Your earnest money is your skin in the game. What buyers need to realize, and what the public needs to realize, is there are so many ways for a buyer to get out of a contract that earnest money. It makes the seller feel warm and fuzzy, but in the history of me selling real estate, I think I've my seller has gotten earnest money from a buyer once because if a buyer goes under contract on a house and they have the house inspected, they pay for a home inspection. After that home inspection, they can do three things. They can cancel the contract, they can renegotiate, or they can accept it as is. So they can cancel the contract. They have the house inspected. Everything is fine with the house. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't happen that often. But there's nothing wrong with it. The buyer still has the opportunity to cancel the contract and they get their earnest money back. They don't get their money back they spent for inspections, but they get their earnest money back. Okay. But then after inspections, 
everything's good after inspections, you go on to the appraisal. If the house doesn't appraise for what they're buying it for, so Kyle is buying a $300,000 house, purchase price is $300,000, and the house appraises at two ninety eight. Because it underappraised, Kyle can actually cancel the contract and get his earnest money back, or he can renegotiate with the seller. Okay, <clears throat> or option three is financing, meaning Kyle's being Kyle's pre-approved for a three hundred thousand dollar house. Kyle loses his job and is not pre-approved anymore. Kyle can cancel the contract and get his earnest money back. So contracts, all real estate contracts, are contingent upon inspection, appraisal, and financing. Now. In multiple offer situations now, what is happening when you have five, six, seven offers, 23 offers on a house, <clears throat> buyers are now waiving their right to have inspections or they're saying they will accept the house as is. Okay, And, that, and to everyone listening to this podcast right now, I want to go into this. If you accept a house as is, you're still reserving the right to actually have inspections. So Kyle... We write an offer on a multiple offer situation, and we write that we're going to accept the house as is. Kyle, you still have the right to have the house inspected, but you can't renegotiate. You can't ask for that plug to be fixed or that sink to be to, to be fixed. You're you're telling them, I'm going to accept it as is. I'm not going to renegotiate. Okay, But you're still given the right to actually have the house inspected. Know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. After inspections, you can cancel the contract, but you can't renegotiate. Okay, But... You have now have buyers to give themselves a leg up on the competition are saying, I'm not even going to have inspections, which I'm going to go on the record to tell them that is a very bad idea. You should always, always have a house inspected to know what you're getting yourself into. Even if I will say this, even if a buyer is listening to this and they're like, we waived our inspections. Even if you waived your inspections after you close on that house, Please pay the five hundred to six hundred dollars to have that house inspected, so you know what you what you just bought. Okay, <clears throat> but agents are telling people, "Hey, waive your inspections. You'll win if you waive your inspections." Okay, I've never done that. I tell my team never to do that. That is a that that is not protecting a buyer. That is not protecting a buyer. Okay, I have no problem telling a buyer accept it as is, but I still want to have that a house inspected, and then they can decide. Yeah, we're okay with that bad outlet or that leaky sink. We're still going to go forward. Or, no, we're not good with this. Let's yeah. cancel. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. to your question on appraisal, you also have people waiving their appraisal contingency. Okay? And what happens on that is, so you've got our, our case. Uh, I'm going to use my case for this. Listed it for 235 sold it for 279 and the buyer waived the appraisal. Okay. What that means is that a house, if that house doesn't appraise for 279, that buyer is going to come up with the difference of what that house appraises for. Okay. Um, and you, a financial guy, and if you talk to any loan officer, mortgage consultant, they're going to say, this is insane. Why would anyone ever do that? But when you have multiple offers, a buyer is going to do whatever they can to win, even though it might not be smart. Okay. Um, so yeah, you have, it's now when, when there is five or six offers, I will tell my buyers now, you're probably going to have to accept it as is. And then I've kind of, I've kind of leaned more on the way. I don't, I don't not like waving the appraisal because it sets a buyer up for a, a very, some problems. I would rather say, Hey, we'll waive the appraisal up to a certain amount, meaning that 
Kyle's going to write an offer on a $300,000 house, and we will waive the appraisal up to $5,000, meaning that if it appraises at two ninety eight, dollars dude, you're going to have to come up with the extra $2,000. If it appraises at two ninety five, you're going to have to come up with the extra five grand to make up the $300,000. But if it appraises at two ninety four, dollars you're coming up with five. The seller's coming up with the extra one. Yeah. And now the appraisal is someone's opinion. So... <laughs> In the case of a three hundred thousand dollar house, and they come back with it, so two ninety eight. Who who says? And so being able to push back on that. Do you so ever- the seller can't. So the um, I've always thought the appraisal. I know why it's there, but the appraisal is kind of the. It's it's one person's opinion. When you really you have a listing agent and two sellers, uh, you know, a seller that decided that this is the price of the house. You have a buyer's agent and their and their buyers that thought, okay, that's a good price. They all came to agreement. So there was a multiple people that came that this is the value of the house. But then the appraiser comes along and goes, well, guys, I think it's worth this, you know. Um, but if an appraisal comes in low, the seller and the seller's agent have a certain amount of time to actually dispute the appraisal, um, where they can say, okay, so appraiser, send us the comps you used. Okay. Here's the comps that we think you should have used, and you go from there. I will tell you, though, it is very hard to dispute an appraisal. Um, There are, don't get me wrong, there's new ways of coming around. A lot of the appraisers now have realized it is a crazy market. When an appraiser calls me to appraise a house, I tell them out the gate, hey, we had 23 offers, um, and here's the offers that we had. So they know that, hey, demand is high. I know that it looks fluctuated, but it, it that's the market we're in right now. That's the market we're in right now. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's good. Good stuff to know. So um, I guess I know uh, I want to be respectful of your time here. I know we're kind of buttoned up on time, but I guess maybe briefly talk about the, you know, the first thing we need to know about buying a house. For the so first, time. first, I always tell people, first thing you need to do is you need to either it's a flip flop. You can do whatever you want. First, you need to call a loan a mortgage consultant and get pre-approved. Find out what you can almost treat it like if you're buying a car. Well, I want to buy a car. What can I, what can I afford? So you go to a bank and you get pre-approved. Okay. Or you flip flop, meet with the realtor first to know the process, then meet with the loan officer or meet with the loan officer, find out what you're going to be approved for, then meet with the realtor. So it's, it, I, I run into both. I run into buyers that have not been pre-approved and I run into buyers that have been pre-approved. If they've been pre-approved, I can go a little bit further where I can set up their search and all that kind of stuff. But I think all buyers need to sit down. I know this is going to sound old school of me, but in realtors, a lot of realtors don't do this. Um, I meet with every buyer in the office or via Zoom meeting that they want to and go through the process from start to finish, what to budget for. There's money that's going to come out of a buyer's checking account before they even own the house. They're going to have to pay their earnest money. They're going to have to pay for the home inspection. They're going to have to pay for their appraisal. And what happens is a buyer doesn't realize that that can be upwards of three to four grand. And you'll have people go, well, I don't have three or four grand. I'm like, well, if yeah. you have three or four grand, you should not be buying a house. Okay. <clears throat> but all buyers before they get into the process need to know start to finish how to get out of a contract. What is it? What's a contract look like? What's it look like to look at houses? You know, are people in these houses when we go look at them and and all that. So call a loan officer, get pre-approved, find out what you can afford, 
then meet with a real estate agent to decide, you know, what's the, what's the process look like? There's a yeah. lot of realtors that are like, if Kyle called them up there, Kyle's like, thinking about buying a house. And I found this house in <clears throat> Toganoxie that I want to go look at. Most realtors have commission breath. They're like, okay, okay, let's, let's go to Toganoxie, Kyle. Let's go look at this house. Rather than saying, hey, Kyle, I want to show you that house in Toganoxie. But I also, have you ever bought a house before? And Kyle's like, no, I haven't. You know what? Let's take two hours of your time and my time and let's talk about the process and then we'll go look at that house in Toganoxie. Because as a rookie agent, I did it all the time of like, Kyle, let's go look at this house in Toganoxie. And we go look at it and then, but Kyle has no idea what he's getting himself into. Um, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes when I have these buyer meetings, I mean, I joke with people. I, I talk for two hours about the real estate process, the ins, the outs, how to get out, how not to lose your financing, all that kind of stuff. And I joke at the end of it, I go, guys, I just gave you a whole ton of information. It's mashed potatoes in your head. But I'm going to go over it again when you write a contract. I'm going to go over it again when we're looking at houses. But just like a financial advisor, someone when they come to you is literally saying, Kyle, I need to save money. What's the best way of using my money? And, uh, and that, just like in real estate, it's the biggest investment. You need to make sure you have someone in your corner that is looking out for your best interest. Not looking out to make a commission, but is looking out to say, hey, I always joke with people, I, it's not my investment. I'm not putting any money down for this house, but you know what? In five years, I'm the schmuck that has to put a sign in the yard. So I can't sell Kyle a $300,000 house <clears throat> and then five years down the road, go and look at Kyle and go, man, you really made a bad decision. And Kyle's going to go, dude, you were the one that told me to do this. You know. So I look at it as I mean, one of my biggest joys in real estate is to sell Kyle a house and then six years down the road, Kyle sells that house and Kyle makes $55,000. And Kyle's like, oh my God. I mean, Kyle's ecstatic. And I'm ecstatic because I'm like, oh, yeah, we made a good investment. You know, yeah. um, that is, that's my joy. And that is, that's where I strive that I'm like, I, I wish I, one of these days when I have nothing to do, which is rarely ever going to happen, I would love to calculate all my clients that I've sold their house where we bought for this in 2009 and we sold it for this and give that ratio of like, Hey, I have this percentage that I know that I will make you X amount of money because given my track record, it would probably be a great marketing item, but I just, it would be so long to go back and do all that. But, um, it's the, the but yeah, it is, people need to get advice from a professional to, to go to, to do this, especially when you're looking at houses. So, yeah. um, so I want to get into finding a realtor real quick, but. I guess kind of few things that I've heard are location, location, location um, for the value of the home, uh, buying in a good location and um, buying at the lower end of the neighborhood rather than at the top end. Um, and then also uh, buying near water. So buying near water, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that last. Okay. But Location, location is always the truth. Location, yep. if 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 the if your area it goes up in value, you're going to go up in value. Okay. So, and when when you, when you go into location, there's sub branches that come off location. Then it goes into school district. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and you'll have some people say, "Well, Tony, we don't have any kids." And I get it. But when I go to sell this, 
the, yeah. the market, the, most of the market is going to have kids. So school district is a big deal, um, which we thank the Lord. We all live in Kansas City and Kansas City, we have some of the best school districts that, that are out there. So um, we kind of are in a good spot where you really can't go wrong. I mean, don't go wrong. There's some bad school districts in, in Kansas City, but all in all, the majority, very, very good. Um, then you go into the different cities, um, walkability, you know, um, everyone's kind of into, I want to walk to the grocery store, um, commute time. I mean, a, a lot of times people don't realize, like, do you really want to spend 45 minutes every day going to work and coming back? And that's a lot of time out of your life that you're spending in your car. So then I want to keep people 15, 30 minutes, you know, away. So location, location, location. Also, you touched on, you never, I always use the phrase, you never want to be the big fish in a small pond. I'd rather you be the small fish because the big fish, as the big fish, the price of those, the bigger houses goes up, that's just going to bring your your value up. So um, and don't get me wrong, there's people out there probably that have built the most expensive house in the subdivision and they've probably made money, but the the odds of that happening are pretty slim. I'd rather... I'd rather you buy a $300,000 house when the average sale price in the subdivision is three fifty, because then I'm like, okay, don't get me wrong. As that three fifty goes up, your three hundred thousand is going to go up. So we're we're going to make money there. So, but location, location, location. Yes, very much so. Okay. And this is very uh, subjective, but he says, you know, buy near water. Buy near water is so. Don't get me wrong. Um, when you buy near water, you could be in a floodplain, man, and flood insurance is expensive. Um, I, I heard, uh, I, I got a push notification yesterday, some news article saying that with new regulations, it's probably going to increase. Oh yeah. I mean, flood insurance is crazy. I mean, flood insurance could be a deal killer because I mean, flood insurance increases is, is so much that that you, and then you got a buyer that their, their monthly, their monthly payment went up by $200 a month because of flood insurance that are like, yeah, we don't buy this house anymore. Um, so, uh, but buying near water, don't get me wrong. I've never met somebody that said, hey, I wouldn't mind looking out on a pond or a lake. I mean, everyone does. Um, yeah, look really, twist your neck and, but we've got a lake right over there. So yeah. I call it a, just a large pond. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, there is no really big lakes in Kansas City. I mean, there are, but most of them are just full-fledged ponds. Um, but no, there's nothing wrong with everyone always eventually, but when you the really what if you drill down on hey you want to be close to water what that really means is people want privacy um so if you back to a pond you're not going to back to a bunch of houses so yeah. you have privacy it really when when the analogy of like you want to buy close to water it's more of you want to buy to where you don't have a bunch of people looking in on the house. People want privacy. Even with the pandemic, more people want privacy. They want bigger lots. They want trees and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's really when, when you hear buy close to water, it's more of it's the, the subtext on that is buy with privacy pretty much. So I just need to put a moat around my house. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that would increase your value. I mean, I mean, insurance company would say, well, now he built a moat around his house and he's full fledged flood zone, flood zone. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so re real quick, top three or five most important things you need to be aware of when looking at a potential house to buy that could cost you a lot of money. Um, one taxes and insurance on a house. You need to know uh, taxes are high. So actually way in the beginning of this podcast, you had said, 
rent, rent goes up every year. Well, what people don't realize is your mortgage payment usually, if the market's good, is going to go up every year because taxes get increased. So as but what what's funny about real estate taxes is when the market crashed in 2008, people would get their county appraisal and it was low because house values went down. And I had people calling me crying like, oh, my God, Tony, our house value is going down. And I'm like, yep, I get it. Everyone's house value is going down. We're in a recession. Um, and they were crying. OK, fast forward to these last two years, I have people calling me, <clears throat> excuse me, yelling that their house value, that the county, don't get me wrong, Overland Park, um, Johnson County, Jackson County, Jackson County had a big increase in taxes, um, that they're getting their tax, their county appraisal, and it's skyrocketed. And so then their taxes went up and their monthly payments went up. And they're like, oh my God, they're over appraising our house. And like, there's no happy medium when it comes to, when it comes to real estate taxes. But what's funny about it, the same people that are like, oh my God, Tom down the street sold his house 30,000 over list. And they're like, that's so great for us. I'm like, yes, it's great for you, but you're going to get your county appraisal and it's going to be high. So that means your taxes are going up. Um, so it's a, it's a catch 22, but I tell people, you need to be aware of your taxes and your insurance because what people don't realize when you make your mortgage payment, your mortgage payment is three things or four things, principal and interest, taxes and insurance. So as your taxes and your insurance go up, your mortgage payment goes up because it, that's how the, the, the thing that happens. Okay. So taxes and insurance, oh, go ahead. You, not to interrupt you, but those are paid through your escrow account. I, yeah. I know that kind of when I when we first bought we we're like what the hell is an escrow account don't get me wrong that's what I was saying first first time home buyers need to realize that you when you buy a house you will never get an insurance bill for your homeowner's insurance and you'll never get a tax bill um, your taxes and insurance are paid through when you make your mortgage payment you're actually paying your taxes and your insurance um, they hold that in an escrow account actually write this down Kyle when you interview a loan officer ask them about waiving escrows so what people don't realize is you don't have to actually start an escrow account with your, your with your mortgage company. You could say, hey, mortgage company, I don't want to have an escrow with you. I'm going to set up my own escrow. Mortgage companies do not like to hear that, but um, th that's a good question to ask them. Okay. Um, so taxes and insurance. Two is just the bones of the house, the roof, the windows, the HVAC. People, I don't think re people realize uh, the, the one one of the overlooked things in a house are windows. Windows are very expensive, and when you buy a house with old windows, you're going to eventually have to change those. Um, and there's a lot of agents that will look past windows. Which new windows in a house is a very good investment. So if you've looked at a house that has new windows, great investment. Great investment. So. Uh Quick question on that. So I recently had a guy come out who was referred to me by a friend who replaced his windows. So I've got four old basement windows, those single pane, they're mm -hmm. cracked, it's freezing in our basement. And so I've contemplated getting them replaced. And so I had this guy come out and we were talking and um, in our, our sunroom, we have, uh, I think they're Renewal by Anderson windows. And they're expensive windows, actually. Good work. He said they are very expensive, but they're not very good. He said <laughs> those Renewal by Anderson, Pella, they're all essentially like builder's grade, but they use them in every house and they've paid a lot in marketing to pump up 
the uh, brand. And so he said, really, they're not, they're overpriced windows. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's. True, true statement. True, don't get me wrong. Renewal by, if I have somebody to say, hey, I got a quote by Renewal by Anderson, I'm usually like, I got a guy that'll be $5,000 less than that. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Sorry, Renewal by Anderson, if you're listening to this, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, um, okay. So taxes, insurance, windows, that also goes into just the, the house itself. So <clears throat> how's the foundation? Foundation is big. I mean, um, I love having first-time home buyers. Then we'll go to the basement of a house and it'll have beams. And they're like, what are those? And I'm like, ready for foundation 101. I'll tell you what bracing is, what peering is, what you know, epoxy injection is. But you want to buy a house that has a good um, foundation, but then also the one thing that over gets overlooked, this is probably the number one thing that gets overlooked, is drainage of a house. Okay, So if anybody ever talks about foundation cracks um, or a foundation moving or they have a flooded basement, it all comes back to drainage. If you ever meet with a structural engineer, a structural engineer will tell you, that most of the time a foundation cracks or moves because of the drainage of the house, because of the soil around a house. Okay. Um, this is going to be, this should be a topic for another subject or a topic for another one, but you want your soil around your house to be like a sponge. You don't want that sponge to be drenched, but you don't want that sponge to be solid dry. Okay. So you want your gutters to be distributing water away from your house but not too far that your foundation doesn't have enough water around it where the foundation can move. I know you've just yeah. videoed, but you want a foundation to have a little bit of give by your soil, no give, and the foundation just moves and nothing stops it, okay? Or if it has too much, it's going to move too much, and then you're going to get cracks. So what people don't realize is drainage of a house is extremely important to the structure of a house. So... um Taxes, insurance, windows, foundation, drainage, um, yeah. and location. And I, only other, only other two I was going to throw in there are HVAC, your HVAC system. HVAC. But, so, and then don't get me wrong, realtors will pull the old. Well, if it's got a twenty-year-old AC unit, we'll get a home warranty to cover you the first yeah. year. And if it goes out, the home warranty pays for it. People have gotten smart and realized that some home warranties will, but some home warranties won't. Some home warranties will just say, oh, we'll cover two grand of a $5,000 fix. Um, or um, you're also, that home warranty is only for one year where, yeah, maybe the air conditioner goes out in that first year, but maybe it doesn't. And then what happens is a buyer gets a home warranty. They go a full year and they never use it. The renewal comes up. They're like, we don't need it. We never used it. And they don't renew their home warranty. You know what happens two weeks later? That air conditioner goes out. Um, and so, but yeah, HVAC system is very important as well. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're kind of closing things out. Inspection, get an inspection, get the appraisal, um, get title insurance. Um, title insurance is, rec is, is mandatory actually. So you can't get a mortgage without actually a clear title. That is... A buyer doesn't really have to worry. Most of the time, the realtor already gives the, the the seller already has a title company in place, so title insurance is already that's that's locked in. You're you're going to have that. 
Um, that's part of your closing costs. Actually, that'll be a question for when you have a breakdown of what closing costs are when you when you talk to a loan officer. But um, yeah, so you have the process is looking for a house that can take for I mean that can take a long time as you find the house. Once you go under contract, you have inspections. After inspections is appraisal, and during the appraisal process, then you're getting clear title on that, and then you go final walkthrough, and then off to closing. Awesome. I was going to ask you about home title theft, but we'll save that for another day. Oh, that's a big, it's a big one. I mean, they're not, most of these title companies now are when the, all their emails they send to the buyer are encrypted where you have to create an account and log in because what happens, what has happened is these hackers will actually get the signature of platinum uh, Kyle that works for platinum title. They'll get your signature and they'll make up a dummy email and then they'll forward um, wiring instructions to a buyer and say, Hey buyer, this is Kyle with platinum title. Please fill out the wiring instructions and you'll have people that wired them. I mean, this is, this has happened a lot. Buyers will wire their funds to an account that is not the title company. And next, thing you know, all, and that, that money ain't coming back. Um, yeah. so yeah, there is a lot, there's a lot of fraud that's going on in not, in, not the title companies have nothing to do with it. It's more these, companies that are scraping titles emails and pretty much going from there okay huh i was gonna ask you if there's anything you can negotiate on with the sellers um <laughs> so and how's that changed right now <laughs> yeah normally in a normal market yes the price is negotiable the closing date's negotiable um closing costs asking the seller to pay yeah. for some of your mortgage closing costs is negotiable um, in a normal market, like uh, that's what I miss a normal market. Unfortunately, I miss showing Kyle a house and Kyle saying, yeah, I kind of, I like this, Tony, I'm going to think about it. And then Kyle calls me a day later and goes, can we go look at it again? We sure can Kyle. And we spend an hour again in the house. You get to see the house two times, you know, and, um, then we negotiate. Then it's listed for 300,000. We write an offer based upon comps. We write an offer for, you know, uh, 292, the seller comes back to us. We go back and forth and everyone is happy. Seller's happy, buyer's happy, everyone's happy, all right? Yeah. Not in this market. This market is buyer, send your highest and best, send, you know, throw a dart on a wall that hope that this number is going to stick. You leave the closing date blank. You're pretty much, you're the buyer right now is at the hands of the seller. The seller pretty much gets to pick the best offer that they want nothing. No, I mean, I haven't had anybody ask for closing costs. All my last probably eight contracts I've written, we've written the con the close date. We left it blank. We left the close date blank and said, seller, you pick whatever close date you want, you know? Okay. Um, and so yeah, nothing is negotiable now pretty much. I mean, and then it used to don't get wrong. I tell people there's always a front end and a back end negotiation of a real estate contract in a normal market. You are negotiating the price of the house, the close date up front. You're negotiating the ref if the refrigerator stays. Okay, that's the front end negotiation. You, everyone accepts it. You go under contract. Then you have inspections and you find out there are seven things wrong with the house. That's a renegotiate. You go into renegotiation period where you're saying, hey, seller, uh, there's seven things that we think are wrong with the house. We want five of those things fixed. The seller says, well, I'll do all five. Oh, everyone's good. Or I'll do three. You go back and forth. So there's a front end and a back end. 
in this market that we're in right now, there's no front end and back end. There's no negotiations. I mean, people are going to listen to this and go, whoa, should I really be buying a house right now? I will tell you, I told you beforehand, it's not a good time to be buying a house right now. It, it, it's good in the fact that interest rates are low, but it's bad in the fact that you're going to overpay for a house. I mean, the, yeah. the most people though, like Kyle, you have a house. Most of the time, Kyle is going to say, oh, it's a great time to sell my house. Yes, it is, Kyle. You're going to make a lot of money on your house, but you're going to spend a lot of that money on the buy. Yeah. So it's, I, I say that, and I don't want to tell people like it's a bad time, but this, this market that we're in, last year, this year, and next year, are when having a realtor that you can trust that is giving you the right advice is the most important. And also, buying a house that you can live in for a long period of time. Okay, so if you're spending $30,000 over list, I need you to be in that house for 10 years. I need you to be in that. So I want people, if you're gonna spend over, make sure you're buying, not your forever house, but a long-term house. So good advice and buying for the long-term, not for the short-term. Well, that just means we'll have to have you back on to talk about what a normal market is like. Yeah, I would. So my my normal buyer meeting is about an hour and a half because it's with questions and my jokes and all that kind of stuff. But it is from start to finish. But it's more um, just from start to finish what it looks like, what it looks like. Yeah. So kind of closing out here. Um, how do you find a realtor? I told you our story of our mortgage loan officer, which I don't think he was supposed to do, um, actually referred somebody to us because we didn't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess what do I need to look for? Because with an advisor, you know, there's um, uh, if you're a registered investment advisor, you're under a fiduciary oath where you have to act in the best interest of your client. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but even your agent as the buyer is compensated by the seller typically because they're getting the uh, splitting the commission with the buy, with the seller's agent. Yep. So let me, yep. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, and then we'll go into finding one. So one of your questions was going to be, Hey, what's, what's a realtor cost as a buyer, as a buyer, a realtor doesn't cost you anything. So buyers need to realize that you're not paying a real estate commission when you hire a real estate agent. A real estate agent is paid by the seller. So when you sell a house, there is a there's a percentage that is charged to the seller, and that percentage is usually split between their agent, the listing agent, and the buyer's agent. Okay. So a, a buyer, when they're buying a house, does not owe their realtor a commission. Now, I will tell you though buyers agents and this is where if another agent is listening to this they're going to hate what i'm about to say but this is this is why i say what i say agents are now charging a transaction fee even to the on the buyer side okay so realtors are charged by our offices to transact our transactions to do our paperwork okay there's usually a fee that's associated with that Realtors are now turning around and charging their buyers and their sellers that fee. Okay. So I've seen it routinely um, where it used to be a buyer. I, I mean, I told people all the time if you were a buyer, it does not cost you anything. I don't charge any kind of fee, any percentage, no nothing. You'll have your closing costs, but you don't have any fee from me. But yep. now you will have a lot of buyers agents that are charging their buyers a fee three, $300, $500 to cover their office fee. Now, 
where I get in on my soapbox and where realtors will hate me, but I don't really care, <clears throat> is most realtors are making a 3% commission on a purchase of a house, okay? You, and this is why you like me. 3% of 300000 is a lot of money, okay? Why is it that these agents are charging their buyers a transaction fee of $300 when they just made $9,000, okay? Like, greed comes in here at some point. I have never, ever charged a transaction fee to any of my buyers or my sellers. I love it, actually, when I go to a listing appointment and a seller says, what's your commission? And we discuss that and they're like, okay, what's your transaction fee? And I'm like, huh, you must have talked to somebody else. I don't have one. And, and I'll always say, did they explain what that fee was? And then I'll have realtors that will say, I can't believe you don't charge a transaction fee. And I will always go back to, I treat people the way I'd want to be treated. And I always say, would you charge your mom a transaction fee? Or then I also, and this is where they hate me, is I'll say, you charge a transaction fee. You must be the same people that buy the undercarriage spray when you buy a car. Because like, you know how when you buy a car, there's all those hidden fees and some of that? That's what yeah. it is. I mean, but what happens is they, it's just part of their thing. Like, hey, buyer, you're going to have a, there's, I charge a $300 fee. It's only when you close. It's part of your closing costs. Oh, no big deal. And the buyer's like, okay, sounds good. They don't know any difference. And yeah, it's 300 bucks. That's a lot. To, to some people, that's a lot of money. Um, and I've just, but so. I will say this, as a buyer, there should be no fee and no commission to a buyer that's looking for a house, but I will say this, there are going to be some buyers out there that will pay a transaction fee because um, their agent is charging them that fee, that additional commission. Okay. 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 Um, so, Box, I'm off it, so I'm, I'm done with that. Um, want to, like you said, treat people the way you want to be treated, do the right thing, and, um, you know, that's what I try to do. I will say to find the realtor... Don't get me wrong. You reached out to a friend, the 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 loan officer that was in your bank, to find your realtor. I tell people, I was dumb and stupid. I, I know. Well, you but you only went with that one realtor. So I would say the advice that I give people is meet with a couple realtors. Like when you met your wife, did you only meet your one wife? Did you not date other women? Like there's the, 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 the bad analogy, but I mean, <laughs> I always joke with people like. Hey, I'm going to be married to you for a little bit. We're going to be looking at houses. We're going to spend a lot of time in the car. You're, I'm going to talk to you on the phone. I want you to like me. Um, yep. I want you to see me and and know my stats and know that I know what I'm talking about. Where most realtor or most buyers are literally just saying, "Oh, I got their their name. I'm going to start this process." So I always tell people, I think it's a good idea to meet with multiple realtors. I mean, realtors will hate me for saying that, but I think it's great. I have no problem being in a competition. Because I want the opportunity to earn their business. So meet with multiple realtors, one. But I also think asking friends. I was talking to you earlier. Of if, you, if you're looking at buying a house, reach out to some friends that have bought a house recently and ask them who they used. Did they like their experience? What were some questions they should ask? Kyle, you know questions now that you're like, I should ask this. Um, so reaching out, I love it now when the, 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 the era of social media, you'll have the people that'll say, I love it. I love seeing this on Facebook. You'll have, Hey, looking for a realtor or Hey, looking to finish our basement. Does anybody know a contractor? I love it when they ask for the realtor because then the comments are because everyone in their grandma is a real estate agent. I mean, if you threw a rock in a crowd of 20 people, that rock's going to hit two realtors. I just know it, yeah. you know? 
where what I love it is they're like, does anybody have a good realtor referral? And then the comments just, bah, 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 I've had more people reach out to me that'll say, uh, I put your, I asked for a realtor on Nextdoor and I'm calling you because your name came up five times rather than three times. You know what I mean? Like where nice. I love it because then I know that I have so many clients out there that my name is going to pop up multiple times. So that's great. I think that's a good, that's a good also way of saying, okay, I got all these realtors. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to look at their website. I'm going to look at their social media. You know what I mean? Like, do you really want the realtor that their social media profile picture is them in a swimsuit, you know, without a shirt on, you know, like they're supposed to be representing you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I'm always a big proponent of, I think people getting a referral from a close family or friend is a way to meet a good realtor actually. So I've, I've, I've only done referral based business. Um, I know a lot of people are finding their realtor on Zillow now because what will happen is agents, what the public doesn't realize is agents pay a lot of money to be on Zillow. And so what happens is Kyle is, did you see the Saturday night live, Saturday night live skit on Zillow? When we get off this YouTube uh, video, Saturday night live Zillow, they had like a, a skit on like, it's almost like a love connection website or whatever. But what will happen is people will search on Zillow and like, Oh, I really like this house. And they're going to contact the agent that's down in the corner when that agent actually that's not their listing. That's just an agent that is paid for that zip code. And so they call that realtor and they're that that realtor will call them till the cows come home. You know what I mean? Um, So there's a lot of people that are meeting their realtor on Zillow. Don't get me wrong. There's some very good realtors on Zillow. Um, But I still think getting a referral from a close friend and a family member is a good way to actually start getting in the door and meeting a realtor. Because what I, I told you this stat earlier, true numbers, there are seven, there are about 17,000 realtors in the Kansas City metro area, 17,000. And in the last 12 months, so if I go February 2020 to February 2021, of those 17,000 realtors, only 1,209 of them have sold 20 houses or more. Okay. And like I told you, when there's 17,000 members, there's 17,000 realtors. I don't want somebody getting the realtor that's never sold a house before. I mean, uh, I used, I told you the analogy of like, if you're going to court, do you want a lawyer that has never been to court or do you want a lawyer that's been to court multiple, multiple times to represent you? Well, there's a lot of stuff that has to do with buying a, a real estate house, a lot of stuff. And you need an experienced agent that knows the ups and downs of the real estate contract or ups and downs of a real estate house to, to buy a house where I don't think people don't ask the right questions sometimes when they read with a realtor. They're just like, oh my God, she drives a really nice car and she's really pretty. She's got to know what she's doing. Yep. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. It's more of like, hey, you should ask them how many houses have they sold last year? How many houses did they sell in 2019? Um, and if they say five, now the flip side of it is how do you know if they're telling the truth? And like, you could usually, I think you can call KCRR, Kansas City Association of Realtors, and say, hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so. How many houses? They should be able to tell you how many houses they've sold. But because I tell people, when you meet a realtor and you ask them how many houses they've sold, 99.9% of the time, it's a lie, whatever number they tell you. Um, but that is a good question to ask them. How many houses have you sold? How many clients do you have? You know. And is, is that relevant for if you're the buyer? It is re- It is relevant. I think it is relevant. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if. I guess the thing I'd be worried about is the the agent that hasn't sold anything. 
but they've helped people buy a lot. Um, so don't get me wrong. Um, the I I personally think some of the best real estate agents in all of Kansas City started out as being buyer's agents. So I know when I started out my first three years, I listed maybe three or four houses, but I represented like 30 some agents or 30 some buyers. It is harder to be a buyer's agent than it is to be a listing agent. Okay. Right now, the list of house, it is very easy. You're going to get multiple offers, all that. To be a buyer's agent, you're driving around looking at houses from sun up to sundown, Saturdays, Sundays, evenings, all that. But a buyer's agent sees the market. They see multiple houses. They see good houses. They see bad houses. So a good buyer's agent is a very, very good agent. So okay. listing agents, they can look at the numbers. They don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a very good agent now because of all the buyers that I represented in the beginning. I'll say okay. that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Other than uh, going to soldbylong.com, any other places we should look? Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at soldbylong. Our website is www.soldbylong.com. Even though I will say this, I sometimes think like, I don't even know where people go to real estate websites anymore. I mean, they go to Zillow and Truly and some of that. And it's a good way to look and say like, oh, there's that guy. Um, but also I think looking at somebody's social media is a really good representation of them. Like, you know, I, you will never find on any of my social medias, me drinking, you know, beers or on the beach and all that kind of stuff. It's mostly all business. Like, Hey, sold this people house, sold this people house, sold this house, sold this house. Um, but yeah, social media, Facebook, Instagram at sold by long. Um, and that's about it. Long, long for realtor.com too. If you want to chuckle at my political campaign, actually. We'll, so, uh, we'll, we'll put all those in the show notes. So <laughs> find them um but uh awesome man this is this has been a lot of fun a lot of fun catching up so Dude, i appreciate you. no problem i appreciate you giving me the opportunity i love to talk so i i love that you actually gave me the opportunity and i'm a huge fan of podcasts i told you before i'm a huge fan of podcasts so i was like so giddy that i was going to be on a podcast so um I, f I feel really good about it man you'll you'll have to let me know when you start yours because i think you said you've been uh Toying with the idea, haven't you? I do, but I, I mean, it, how do you make real estate without, I, man, I don't, I don't know. I've also wanted to start one for the CrossFit gym. I've also yeah. thought it would, if I did a round table of some of my coaches and we just kind of talked about nutrition and like, Hey, are you drinking beet juice? I'm drinking beet juice. And I felt different after drinking beet juice. And like, I don't know. I think it could be really, really funny, but I also love to hear people talk and like, I mean, I, dude, your questions earlier and asking to the walk up son, I'm like, Oh my God, I would tell you, I think one of your questions should always be what someone. So my three go-to questions, literally, if I'm playing golf with somebody that I don't even know who they are, I usually ask the walk up song. I think that when you ask, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe you asked this question. I ask that. And I ask favorite chips. Like everyone always has a favorite chip. Like, Hey, what's your favorite chip? Like, and it could be anything like not a favorite snack, but a favorite chip. I feel like you're going to judge me if I tell you my favorite chips. You're no, like, no, no, for patties. no, no. Whoa, time out. I'll, I'll, I'll out the gate. I'm going to tell you jalapeno cheddar Cheetos right now is my favorite chip. Some people would say it's not a chip. It is a chip. Cheetos are chips. When it, you know, whatever. So jalapeno cheddar, what is yours? Good question. Um, do you lick the cheese dust off your fingers? Oh, hell yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go with Cheetos too. Okay, you're yeah. stealing mine, but I will say add that to your question list. Favorite chip? Okay. Favorite chip? And then always, 
another thing I always do with guys is do you play fantasy football? Um, I used to, but now with the litter of children I have, I don't have time for it. And actually, full disclosure, when I played fantasy football back in the day, my wife did my drafts for me because my wife knows more about sports than I do. I joked earlier, all I know is real estate and CrossFit. I really don't. I mean, I know enough about the Chiefs to be to be bad, to be good, but my wife did my drafts. And I mean, there were multiple years that I was competitive that my guys would be like, oh my God, you're so good. I'm like, it's really my wife. Matera ran my fantasy football leagues. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's, so, well, Hey, this has been fun. Um, we probably ought to, uh, uh, do one on buying. I'm, I'm up Sell. for, I'm Sell. up for, I mean, I'm, I'm up for selling. Yeah. I'm also up for me. And if you ever said, Hey, I'm going to do a quick one where Tony talk about the start and finish of a real estate process. I'd love to do that. Even if you just had me on to say, uh, questions that I mean, there's there's lots of stuff I can go into and, and some of that. It's all there's a lot of stuff that has to do with real estate. So I I love that you uh, at least um, give me the chance. So I'm up for it anytime you want, man. Awesome, man. We'll uh, we'll figure something out then. Sounds good, Kyle. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Well, that was a marathon, and I think Tony may have run cross-country in high school, so I guess that'd be fitting, but uh, don't fact-check me on that. Uh, we'll have to get him back on to verify that, or I'll have to track down my sister's old high school yearbook or something to, to verify. But again, thank you for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. You know what? I'm just going to call it the podcast, because uh, that's a mouthful, but I uh, hope you enjoy the show. You can find more information about our guest, Tony Long, in the show notes. That's me pointing down to the show notes. And I think we're working on having him back to do an episode on selling a house in the uh, not-too-distant future. So stay tuned for that. Um, Although the way the market is right now, you may just need to put a for sale sign in the yard and say, hire. Just kidding. Uh, You want a pro on your side when you're making that deal because you will probably get hire. Um, next up, we're going to be talking about the mortgage process for buying a home. So stay tuned. Now, if you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes. That's me pointing down to the show notes again. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button. I think uh, I heard Apple's changing it to follow button. Um, so you get all the new episodes when they drop. If you could do me a favor and leave the podcast review, that would be appreciated. Remember, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. You can find personal finance from the Hilltop wherever podcasts are found. At Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients. So if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on the schedule call in the right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call. No sales pitch, just a conversation about you, what you're looking for, and how I can help. Lastly, the dreadful, scary disclaimer that I was advised by my compliance to read, and that is, I'm ready. Everything on this podcast is my opinion or my guest's opinion is not meant to be taken as investment advice because I'm not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal financial situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but serves clients nationwide. We're exempt from registration. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill. <laughs>